It's time for Twit This Week in Tech. Great panel for you. Larry Maggot is here from ConnectSafely.org. Mike Elgin from Oaxaca, Mexico. And Jason Heiner, editor-in-chief of ZDNet. Of course, we're going to have to talk a little bit about Elon. We'll also talk about Tesla self-driving, how safe it is. Apple's backing out of the Sunday ticket negotiations. Who is John Mastodon? And should TikTok be banned? That and a whole lot more, including John Carmack quitting Meta. It's up next on Twit. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit. This Week in Tech. Episode 906. Recorded Sunday, December 18th, 2022. A bad year for billionaires. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Stamps.com. This holiday season, trade late nights for silent nights. And get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up at Stamps.com. Click the microphone at the top of the page. Enter the code TWIT for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. And by Noom. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom Weight's psychology-based approach. And check out Noom's first-ever book available for pre-order, The Noom Mindset, A Deep Dive into the psychology of behavior change. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash twit. And by Audible. Audible lets you enjoy all of your audio entertainment in one app. Let Audible help you discover new ways to laugh, be inspired, or be entertained. New members can try it free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash twit or text twit to 500-500. And by Worldwide Technology and Intel. With an innovative culture, thousands of IT engineers, application developers, unmatched labs, and integration centers for testing and deploying technology at scale. WWT helps customers bridge the gap between strategy and execution. To learn more about WWT, visit WWT.com slash twit. It's time for Twit This Week in Tech, the show we cover the latest tech news. Our last live show of 2022. Uh, Next week, Christmas Day, we have a very special and a very fun episode we recorded a couple of days ago with uh, some of the old timers, Steve Gibson, Jeff Jarvis, Doc Searles, uh, and Paul Therott. Kind of a look back at the year, so that'll be your Sunday next Sunday. Uh, New Year's Day will be the best of, and then we will be back on January 8th with a new twit. So the last twit of 2022, well, if it's the last twit of 2022, you know I'm going to bring in my favorite people, starting with Mike Elgin, who's joining us from Oaxaca, as That's he's right. a nomad, a gastro nomad. Yep. And it's beautiful here. I'm up on a rooftop. I can mm. see the whole city from up here. It's oh. fantastic. We were with Mike and Amira uh, Halloween last year, Day of the Dead, in, in Oaxaca. It was incredible. And the food was so good. And we had such a good time. So and we just finished one. And, and uh, Chef Alex says hi to you <gasps> and uh, some Chef of the Alex. other I want to send him. Uh, I want to send my son, Hank, down there to apprentice with Chef 
because uh, Hank, as you know, is a Twitter chef, which is not quite yep. the same as a real world <laughs> chef. And I thought it'd be great if he could go down and uh, sit by. He wants to do that sometimes. So I would love to arrange that because that would be it, it would be not just Chef Alex, but several other chefs and, <gasps> and others here that could he could uh, apprentice with. That'd be amazing. That That is wonderful. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, also with us. Larry Maggot, who has quite the tale to tell this week, president and CEO of <laughs> ConnectSafely.org. Another radio refugee. Mm-hmm. Hi, Larry. Good to see you. Good to see you, Leo, and everybody. And uh, the man who elected me president of the Internet, my good friend Jason Heiner, formerly of Tech <laughs> Republic. He's now editor-in-chief of all of ZDNet. Hi, Jason. Hey, great to be here, Leo. Oh, always so, a pleasure. So ni- always nice to see you. Uh, this is This is a great time to have kind of uh, I like to do at the end of the year, kind of bring together people I know and love and have known for years. And we get to talk about the tech news. And God, I was hoping we wouldn't have to talk about Elon Musk. <laughs> I was praying. This will be quick. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Elon has inadvertently created a new hero in the world, John Mastodon. <laughs> <laughs> so Elon yesterday uh, banned... Uh, any mention of Mastodon. You can't link to it. In fact, when you try to link to it, you'll get uh, on Twitter, you'll get, oh, this site is malicious and dangerous, uh, which it's not. Uh, Mastodon is 5,000 social networks. Many Twitter uh, uh, refugees have fled to Mastodon. We've been running a Mastodon since 2019. We're one of the Mastodons uh, that is blocked. But uh, there was an article, somebody wrote an article uh, that misunderstood because one of the site, one of the uh, Twitter Twitter handles blocked was join Mastodon, and somehow some editorial writer thought it was John Mastodon, and even said the founder of a competing social network has been banned. <laughs> and ever since, everybody on Mastodon has taken up the charge for John Mastodon. There are yeah. John Mastodon accounts. There's a whole legend of John Mastodon now. <laughs> it's it's uh, exactly how the uh, internet should respond to an infection uh, Mm -hmm. like what's happening over on uh, Twitter. Um, I just saw that he now Elon has banned Paul Graham for mentioning his Mastodon account. Paul, ironically, a venture capitalist, founder of Y Combinator, uh, very well known in the community, beloved in the community, and somebody who had been supporting Elon all this time. Now he's banned. Taylor Lawrence banned, not much of a surprise, along with many, many other journalists I'll be honest with you, my and and maybe Mike, because you're a journalist, you can tell me I'm wrong. But who the hell cares if Twitter bans journalists? Elon has now firmly shown this is his plaything. This is his his crib. He has the right and legal right to do whatever he wants. For the EU to weigh in is complete nonsense. For for journalists to whine is complete nonsense. The writing is on the wall. This is his Twitter. So yeah, move on, right or no? N- well, move on, yes, but uh, but to beg to get reinstated ju- is ridiculous. I say. well, I mean, ju- journalists, whether they have been banned or not, uh, or reinstated or not, should care because many of us um, have been cultivating audiences and readership yeah. on Twitter. In my case, since two thousand and seven, yeah, almost every day, almost all day, and now all of a sudden he's explicitly said that that uh, people have to start building credibility on the platform. I mean, it's it's really it's you know, yes, it's his legally. He owns it. 
but 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 our relationships are not his. Our our the connections we have with our readership are not his. And so it's really a bummer to to start over on another platform when so many of us, of us have invested so much in this platform. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not completely immune to that. I have a half million, more than a half million followers on Twitter, but I have no problem uh, leaving it. I mean, that was the mistake, perhaps, is to say this is our Twitter's ours. It's our right. relationships. Guess what? It never right. was. Uh, maybe it looked like it yeah. was. Jason, how how do you feel about this? You're also a journalist, obviously. All three of you are. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I, I will say that I Twitter was by far the platform that I was most engaged in for the longest time. Um, and really in 2018, I, I kind of pulled back from all social media when it became pretty clear that a lot, there wasn't yeah. as much value. It was yeah. a, it was very toxic. Um, and and so I, you, uh, to be upfront, I have spent less and less time there. Um, and it has been clear that Twitter itself was uh, was a little bit lost in the wilderness trying to find its way. Uh, and and now uh, it, it really is sad to see what's happening, because I, I think one of the things that is easy to forget about Twitter is that when Facebook, however you felt about Facebook, Facebook became a much more valuable company. Instagram became, you know, a rocket ship. Um, TikTok, the new rocket ship. Um, Twitter always still had some a very strong brand value uh, among journalists, among celebrities, chiefly among, among those though. Right. I mean, yeah. normal yeah. Right. people didn't, Did it had no, it had no brand at all. Right. Yeah. For sure. But I'd say among um, people who were doing, like Mike said, cultivating audiences, it had a very high brand value and it, it's, in a matter of, you know, 12 months, um, almost all of that brand value has been destroyed. Yeah. Uh, and that that's a significant, significant destruction of value um, that is going to be very difficult um, to, to reestablish because, you know, the old saying goes that trust comes in on foot and it goes out on horseback. Yeah. Um, it takes so long to build and it takes so short. Uh, of an amount of time to to get rid of. And, and my feeling is that, you know, Twitter for me and most of other people, it's really lost a lot of trust. It's going to be very difficult to reestablish. You know, Elon, Elon owns it, but I think your point, Jason, is, is, is fair. Mike. I mean, it, it it's not exactly a public utility, I, I admit, but it has it has that flavor in the sense that we all use it or have used it. We all have depended on it. I mean, it's the first thing I think about. I've got something to say. I want to get it out there right away. You know, what other platform do any of us have, you know, where we can get right out? Maybe you guys do, VDNet perhaps, but where you can, you know, three in the morning, you get an idea, you want to say something and you can say it. Um, He is taking something away from all of us. Does he have the legal right to do it? Yes. Does he have the moral right to do it? Maybe not. And should he have the legal right to do it? That's actually... Uh, I, I guess the answer is still yes, but I think it's worth debating about. You know, I think it would. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess um, it's I think we've should. This is a lesson we should have learned a long time ago, that these giant corporate owned uh, public forums are not ours and they right. never have been ours. Mark Zuckerberg's completely in control of Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. completely in control yeah. of it. Uh, and and things happen all the time there. And. It has been in their interest all this time to cultivate you content creators to say, yeah, come on, create your content. YouTube is going to be the same way. But at the ultimately, they control it. And it's a mistake to believe you do. And what an opportunity I think we have to learn here to stay away from these centralized platforms. I see so many people, so many journalists making the same mistake, migrating to post 
which is owned by Mark Andreessen, which has in its policies, you may not badmouth billionaires. <laughs> it's clearly the wrong place to go. It's the same lesson. And, yeah. and, and some people have not learned it. There is, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I think Elon is so threatened by Mastodon. Mastodon is completely decentralized. No one controls it. You know, Every it's funny. A lot of companies no longer give out their web address. They give out their Facebook page or their Twitter yeah. handle. I mean, sure. I, I mean, technically my website is hosted by somebody, but I do own it. And I, yeah. you know, I have complete control. So maybe it. we go a little bit back to the, uh, yeah. you know, there was a reason why for years people like Kevin Marks and the indie web folks have been saying you need to own. I've been saying this. I've been saying this to teenagers. Yep. You need to own your presence on the web. You cannot let Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat tell people who you are. You need to do that. You need to have your own website. Is that asking too much of people? I don't think it's asking too much, but I would I would encourage uh, everyone who does own their own website to do what I did uh, this afternoon, which is to remove Twitter from almost every website has a oh, Twitter like go yeah. see us on Twitter. Yeah, uh, we should all remove that because because Twitter has basically decided that they're not going to provide free publicity to other social networks. So why should we provide free publicity for Twitter? Absolutely. I have I took Twitter off ages ago. If you go to my website, you'll see two links, a Mastodon link and an email link. And that's it. Uh used to be and and this software allows for Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, <laughs> Twitter, but yeah. yeah. Uh that's a lesson we should learn. We should take with us. Uh if mm -hmm. if you don't own it in the sense that you control what's on that platform, you're always at risk. And I think we're going to learn that about YouTube as well. In the long yeah, run. And I think the future is the reason that these platforms, Web 2.0, um, centralized a lot of control, right? And what happens with central, this is go, in all of human history, what happens is when resources get centralized, then a very small number of people extract all the value, right? It makes billionaires out of people, a very few number, and then everybody else um, is left sort of, um, fighting for the scraps. And so we've seen this time and time again, I do feel like, and I, it is somewhat of a utopian vision, but I think we are on the direction toward this future of federated identity. This is what web three is trying to solve, which is trying to create this federated identity, um, using, uh, the, uh, using the blockchain, for each of us to be a node and have a node that is not controlled. We control what information and private um, information we give to anyone we interact with. Um, it, it is putting more of an onus on users. But I think that the users who are, you know, call it 35 and under, they have this innate comfort with uh, these platforms and with technology in the ways that they aren't um, they aren't scared away from this kind of idea. And so I, I do think it's not an easy road and it's not going to happen in 2022 or 2023. But I think we are on the road to a, a place where we have federated identity and Web3, whatever you want to call it, you know, blockchain based Internet that will fundamentally change uh, the way that these things are built. And we're not going to fall for the sort of the the um, promises that we did in Web2 that essentially centralized a lot of value in a few hands and they extracted all of the value. And then we are are left with what? Not much. 
I, I, only thing I disagree with you on is the blockchain web three thing because that's really yeah me too that's a that's owned by Andreessen Horowitz that's not that's just as bad as anything else but the idea the notion of decentralized Tim Berners Lee the problem is this is so geeky at this point so it is but Tim Berners Lee has yeah. been promoting this with his solid project solidproject.org. dot org. Uh, the idea of using web standards, he's the guy who invented the World Wide Web. He's at the web, World Wide Web Consortium. Using web standards to allow people to control their data, control their privacy, uh, control who they are on the Internet. This is, to me, this is a huge opportunity. If fencer capitalists weren't so goddamn greedy and if it weren't dominated by billionaires who hate the idea of people controlling their destiny, this would already have happened. Somebody needs to step forward and make this possible. Gargron has done that with Mastodon, but that's just one tiny bit of a much larger ecosystem that could be created where you own your identity and uh, you control it. And I think that we need to make this easy for everybody because otherwise they'll just keep falling into the Twitter trap. And the Fediverse uh, seems to me to be perfectly unstoppable. I mean, th this that's is the irony. Where Elon can't buy it. No one can buy it. Nope. No one can buy nope. it. And you you just you can see how it's already sort of subsuming old brands like Tumblr and 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 uh, and what's that photo flicker uh, and so on. Tumblr has joined the activity pub, which means Tumblr will be a peer on uh, on the Fediverse, which means you could have your presence on Tumblr, for instance. And absolutely in Fediverse. I mean, you could even imagine a future because obviously Elon Musk is destroying Twitter and it's going to be a shell of its former self in pretty short order. You can imagine it changing hands and then itself becoming part of the Fediverse post Elon Musk. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's interesting. They talk about the town square, right? The analogy of Twitter is like the town square. But the town square is truly public property. I mean, it's, it, that's, that's the, the problem. That's the why common, Twitter, common, Twitter right? which was yeah. by kind of the de facto town square, isn't truly the town square. No, it isn't. It, and nor is Facebook, for that right. matter. Any any right. privately, any privately owned property is not a town square. By definition, almost, it, it's it's public property. It's the municipal place that every citizen of that community owns. And would you could you imagine if, in order for you, Leo, you and I to decide we wanted to hang out together, we somehow had to get permission from some billionaires so we could talk to each other. One of the things, perhaps, that's slowing the Fediverse down is it's kind of built in antipathy toward brands and businesses. <laughs> it is a little bit of a socialist empire. <laughs> uh, I think brands are starting to show up on Mastodon. Uh, news brands should be on Mastodon. A lot have ProPublica is there. A lot of, a lot of uh, there's journal.host where a lot of journalists who are refugees from Twitter are going. This all began, uh, we, sh we probably should say, although I imagine you all know, when Elon claims, and by the way, there's no support for this claim, but claims that his car containing his child X was jumped in Los Angeles right. uh, and that the reason it was jumped is because uh, Jack Sweeney, who's a college student in Florida, has been posting the jet's location, Elon's jet location, along with many others, by creating a bot that republishes the AD, uh, a, what is it, ADSB database. Right. Uh, this is these are this database is created by airline enthusiasts who have little Raspberry Pis. I thought it was a official database. It's not. Your tail number is public, and you have a transponder on the plane that is necessary so that people know who you are as you fly around. But these enthusiasts have been using Raspberry Pis on the ground to gather information about what's flying overhead and post it to this ADSB database. 
So there isn't a central, uh, you know, public database for airplane location, but uh, ADSB Exchange exists so that people can upload, and that information is is really there. It's kind of kind of like open open uh, street map. Uh, I didn't. It's it's uh yeah. It's it, so this is one of the, this is the biggest of the exchanges, but there are many others. This is open source intelligence. They're public information. The, you know, planes are required by law to broadcast their exact location every three seconds and it's 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 not there's it's illegal to keep the location of an airplane secret and so you know the, what what's funny to me is that you know elon musk is uh until recently the world's richest person he's obviously a public figure he's he's somebody who would be the target of maybe foreign spies or stalkers and paparazzi and so on somebody like that has to has to has to Higher security, do whatever they have to do to protect protect themselves. He also has the option, if if uh, hit the location of his airplane is is a security risk, to not fl- not own an airplane, fly in another kind of airplane. The airplane or air- airlines, even for executives, exist all the time, and nobody knows where where you know which individual executive is in what plane. He's got a bunch of things that he can do to protect his family, and I. Of course, I think he absolutely should protect his family. Including, uh, by the no, way, not owning his private jet, but leasing it from a company so that yeah. no one would know he was on that plane. Uh, exactly. There are things he can do, but he doesn't, he never liked Jack Sweeney's Elon tracker account. Jack tracks everybody else too, including Jeff Bezos. He never liked it, uh, always complained about it. At one point, it was said, offered $5,000 to the kid to take right. it down. The kid said he never received that offer. Uh, and by the time he asked for it, Elon said no. Uh, once Elon owned Twitter, it was a, you know he said, I'll never take it down, but that was just a matter of time before he took it down. But what he did, which was a little shocking, I think, to journalists who thought somehow they had a right to be on Twitter. He took down any journalist who mentioned the existence of right. this uh, Elon's jet account or that it had moved to Mastodon. Including, he mentioned it not even on Twitter. Like they mentioned it in an article. In a news article on the New York Times. And then and the they Voice were banned on Twitter. And everywhere else in CNN. And so he banned them. Now, some of them I, say, I think are coming back. He had a poll. He loves these polls, which apparently is, as far as I could tell, the stupidest thing ever because – Anybody, anybody can vote in these polls, including the Russian GRU and the Internet uh, troll factories. Anyway, uh, he had a poll and said, should I bring him back in seven days? I don't remember what the answer was, but uh, I think he's reinstated some. But who cares? This, to me, is all you need to hear. Goodbye, Twitter. I don't understand why brands are still on Twitter. I really don't. It just, well, Leo, you, you, you know the story about what happened to me on Monday night. What happened to you? Oh, okay. actually, let's so, get into this. So yeah. you, uh, through ConnectSafely.org, which you run, right. uh, are a mem- were a member of the Twitter uh, Safety Advisory Council, right? That's correct. Since 2016, I was actually a charter member. And we you know, used to have meetings and we would give them advice and we would test out some of their safety-related products and product changes and had productive conversations. They didn't listen to everything we had to say. We were not a decision-making body, which is very clear. And the other thing that's very important is we were divided into committees. So, for example, some of my colleagues on the board have been trolled allegedly for participating in child pornography because they didn't proactively do anything to take down alleged child porn on Twitter. But the fact is 
that none of these people were actually even on that committee. The people who were on the committee that dealt with child pornography were the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, Thorne Foundation, and other world-renowned experts in that particular field. I am not a world-renowned expert when it comes to child pornography, but we are somebody who advises on things like harassment, cyberbullying, stalking, and all of those other things. And you were volunteers, uh, right? Yeah, we weren't paid. And, and Twitter actually, even though we put them down as a contributor, the only money they gave Connect Safely was they gave us some advertising revenue, which is significant, advertising inventory. So, you know, we, we could do ad free advertising on Twitter. So that was significant. But other than that, they weren't one of our more generous sponsors. And we're very public, by the way. We get money from Meta and Google and all these other companies. So we're we don't we did, don't hide that. Did uh, when Elon bought Twitter end of November, uh, did anything change in that relationship? No, we never heard from. Well, the only thing changed is we stopped hearing from them. And I, I had just about decided. You know, I did you just still get the ad inventory? Well, they didn't take it away, as far as I know. It's okay. still there. You know, they'd yeah. already given it to us, so it's, okay. I suppose it's in our account. Should advertise Macedon. Yeah, but yes, <laughs> that would get that would get. Oh, you'd get taken down immediately. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So anyway, so I happened to be in Washington D.C. on Monday you know, at a Meta uh, safety a Meta uh, safety summit that I was speaking at. And eight o'clock comes along and we're having dinner with the meta folks. And I say, I have to excuse myself. I've got to go do this Twitter thing. And everybody sort of chuckles. Uh, and I walked It was in. a Zoom, a Zoom call that. Uh, the, yeah, a Zoom the or something like that. advisory group was going to be on. Okay. Right. So okay. I'm walking down the streets of Washington, D.C. with my phone. I dial in, you know, through Zoom and nobody's there. And I think right, maybe I got the wrong link. So I go search my email and there's an email saying, thank you very much for your service. We no longer need you. And there's no more safety advisory board. So. This board that and what's interesting about it is that this meeting that was supposed to happen Monday was hastily called after some of my colleagues had resigned. A couple of people resigned last week or the week before. They hastily called the meeting and they escalated it to bring in some of their more senior people. They, they were, I don't know if Elon was supposed to be on the call, but some of their more senior people were going to be on much more senior than we usually get on our calls. But then they just abruptly ended. So clearly they don't want to hear from us. They don't want our advice. I was probably going to resign anyway after the meeting. I wanted to hear what they had to say. But now Elon can say, you can't quit. I fired you. So, you know, hmm. I'm, I'm no longer on the board. There is hmm. no more board. Uh, Elon had also promised to create a moderation board yes. uh, to determine uh, who should be brought back uh, to the site yeah. and who should be. I'm not volunteering for that. And uh, that board uh, never happened. There was nothing, nothing to do. Uh, and he's making all choices uh, at this at this time. Yeah, um, that's right. So, um, okay. I mean, I don't, there's, you know, I guess my attitude, I, it was easy for me because I abandoned Twitter in my mind months ago. No, I mean, there, there was essentially no point in having a board to advise a company that's run by a guy that doesn't want to listen to anybody's advice. Right. That's what Yoel you know, Roth, who was head of trust oh, yeah, and safety, said Yoel, yeah. when he left. And then, of right. course, Elon, some weeks later, started to slime him uh, with false accusations oh. and couple of my colleagues got slammed. I don't know if you remember this guy. Some alt-right guy with a million followers slammed a couple of my colleagues on the board. And then Elon retweeted it. Yeah. And again, blaming them for child pornography. I mean, come on. That's like QAnon crap. I mean, that's about as low as you could get to, to, to accuse somebody of, of, of having anything to do with child pornography who's completely innocent of that charge. I mean, it's a horrible thing to say about it. But it's person. one of Elon's favorite tactics. Yes. Excellent. Remember, exactly. remember Pete O'Guy, the the, right. the 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 claim, the false claim that, uh, against the the person rescuing the kids and all that stuff. Yeah, terrible. It yeah. makes McCarthyism look benign. I mean, it's just a horrible thing to do to somebody. Yeah, uh, it strikes me that Elon. I mean, 
again, it's his company. He spent a lot of money. He can burn it to the ground if he wants. If somebody wants to buy, you know, something and and burn it, that's their prerogative. Uh, it strikes me that he, right now, uh, likes the power that it gives him to mm-hmm. wield these troll armies against whoever he feels like it. Uh, he's always he's always felt that way. I think you know he did that with Dogecoin. Remember, he it was. It was a magician's trick. He waved his hand and Doge went up. Then he waved his hand and Doge went down. And, you know, you experience that once and you go, ah, that's pretty cool. And you want to do it more. And I feel like that's what Elon's doing now. I feel like anybody who continues on Twitter is merely sharpening that sword for Mr. Musk. But you've seen what it's done that's in Tesla's a big stock. mistake. Well, I mean, he's, he's going to pay know, the pay. price, but he can afford it. Look, Elon well, so are never, millions of stockholders. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe you should have thought twice about Better. buying stock in Tesla. Maybe so. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's pretty clear that uh, Tesla is not being run at all right now. And I think Tesla shareholders are suing over that as well. Well, you know, it actually bothers me. I, I, as you know, Leo, I have a Model 3. And it occurs to me because of the fact that this, this car can be controlled remotely, that a madman is capable of, you know, driving me into a cliff. I mean, you think I'm not suggesting he would do that, but. I, I, it does concern me that have somebody like 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 Elon Musk technically can control the car that I drive. Yeah, and he think twice about whether I want to keep that car. I, I, the larger story to me, and it's more of a political story than a tech story. Although tech really becomes weaponized in this story, is that authoritarians and the very rich have formed an alliance, uh, and maybe some cases the very rich are becoming authoritarian. And we as the people have really got to be careful now because uh, these tools are extremely powerful. And an authoritarian mm-hmm. wielding Twitter, we know this, can have immense power. But that's yeah. only if we give it to them. And so I think as, uh, as normal people, we gotta, we got to remember, you're just helping an authoritarian it's time to stop helping authoritarians. They're not in acting in our interest. That's more political probably than technical, but uh, it is the case, right? Yep. Uh, all right. Anything else that you want to say about this sad person and uh, what's happening to, what's sadly happening to Twitter, which was, you know, was a pretty cool thing at one point. Um, I guess it's over. No, it just, right? it's just upsetting to think that somebody with a big checkbook can take over an organization, which we all, I didn't love Twitter, but I liked Twitter. I, I used it. We all used it. And he can just, you know, arbitrarily, one man can do that just because he's got the money to do it. Welcome and to, I have to capitalism, say, my friend. I know. That's the know, way of the me. world. You you know, it's time to open your eyes. <laughs> well, well, you know, I go back to, I, I, never, you know, I went to Berkeley, so oh, I know yeah. all about that. No, I know I, all about this. I'm, I'm, I'm sympathetic. I, I wish the world were a better place, but it's pretty clear that the guy who writes the checks. <laughs> well, the other question is the Twitter board. Decide. I mean, the Twitter board forced him to make the purchase when they could have backed out. Yeah, again, they, had a nice payday. they got 54.20 a share. By Green. the way, Elon is now totally going Green. around to friends and other investors saying, hey, you can buy more for 54.20 a share. Yeah, right. Anybody? And there, Anybody? there are there are people who will sign up who still have said, like, look, you know, Elon's created more value in these organizations. Uh, now, I did one of one of even his biggest fans who now I'm forgetting the name of. Um, did say he he'd like to see the vision for where it's going um, from here. One of his big investors, a guy who is heavily invested. Yeah, Ross Gerber. That's yeah. what it was. He said, yeah. "I'm not putting more money until I see the vet- vision." 
what's the what's the vision? What's the vision? Which I, I think it's clear that, you know, I, well, what is clear is that the, there isn't necessarily one. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that is interesting is I, d- I believe it was at least in the last six months, maybe 18 months. I do remember Jack Dorsey saying, um, having a bit of a re- retrospective, knowing the direction that Twitter had gone and saying, you know, the mistake we made was going public um, that and we and also losing because once we went public and then we had to create revenue to create, you know, to get the advertising dollars to to be a growth company and to get investors, you know, and that's when remember and, and I'm sure you, you all remember this, you know, when they. Um, they, they banned all of the play, the, um, the, the API, they closed down the API because yeah. Twitter was originally a bit more decentralized, like we were talking about. And it was, uh, it, it was really evolving quite powerfully. And the beginning of the end was from my perspective was when they shut off the API, they went public they put all of their focus on advertising. And I I, I said that, I, I believe I've said that in columns in the past. And um, it, it was about, like I said, somewhere between like 6, 12, 18 months ago, then Jack Dorsey, you know, essentially said, you know, that's where we made the mistake. And we sort of, we we lost control of this thing. And it, even at, the, at that time when he said that, to me, that was him saying, you know, that, um, you know, kind of he was on his way out and he didn't really see a, a great path forward for Twitter. And, you know, it's it's played out uh, now. No one could have imagined it um, accelerating the demise of what we've seen in the last you know few months. But uh, but that was, you know, that was the uh, the exclamation point or the period yeah. on the sentence. I think the thing I found really chilling is uh, I think it was Kevin Roos's article in The New York Times saying, they won't admit it, but Silicon Valley is watching what Elon does, wondering if they can do it with their company, too. That is chilling. I think it's specifically talking about the layoffs. But uh, what, what, it really, okay. what it really is, I think, is a lot of the, the uh, tech CEOs are, are, are nervous. We know this. Amazon and Apple especially are nervous about the employees standing up to them. And uh, they're watching with great interest to see if you can beat them down with a stick. Uh, and and survive. So uh, that was that was a story in the New York Times this week. I was kind of like, well, I hope that's not wide a widespread point of view. <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see. I think Elon is not doing uh, good news for himself. This was mm. the story. Elon Musk, management guru. <laughs> <laughs> Why the Twitter owner's ruthless, unsparing style has made him a hero to many bosses in Silicon Valley. I hope Kevin is wrong on that. I hope that's not what he and Tim Cook talked about when they walked around Apple Park a couple yeah. weeks ago. Hey, uh, Elon, how's that working out for you? We'd like to try that here at the campus. And actually, you know, one of the stories we talked about uh, on our uh, Christmas episode, which is coming up on Sunday, is is the is the f is the shift in power I think in tech companies where engineers at Google told Google we don't want to do you uh, you know military contracts Microsoft's had the same problem employees at Apple a Starbucks uh, Amazon attempting to unionize employees are realizing they have a little bit more power than they thought and that's got to scare uh, the C suites at these companies so uh, well I think uh, hopefully these tech CEOs who are watching this will sort of revise their opinion once Elon Musk totally destroys Twitter and loses billions and billions of dollars, which is almost certainly going to happen. I mean, he's just failing 
uh, in in almost every way. And it's hard to imagine he's kind of turning it, uh, the whole thing into parlor. And you know, how's a site like Parlor going to you know have advertisers and and revenue and so on? So it's it's really going to be uh, uh, a a good lesson for for all the tech CEOs in some ways, right? So the other thing is that I the, hope they the take thing the right noticed, lesson from it, not the wrong lesson. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I spend almost all my energy on Twitter criticizing Elon Musk now. So I sort of use that as a <laughs> a great place to do that. And and I'm I'm a, a lot of a uh, comments on his tweets and I've, he's got this he's got this army of trolls that's exactly like uh, donald trump's troll yeah, so you stands, there, there are certain yeah. types of people lying narcissists always make false claims about all the great things they're doing and there are certain types of i, I think it's a personality trait or something there's just some people who believe them when they do that like they get their information about a lying narcissist from the lying narcissist and so people are like oh he's fixing everything well he, he's what he's doing is he's destroying a feature that Twitter had already, and then he's replacing it with a worse one. And this is true in almost everything from verification to everything else. And so it's just like, it, it has that sort of like that 2016 kind of feeling, these arguments I'm having with these Twitter accounts that are one month old, have zero followers, no profile picture and a fake name, right? Millions of these accounts are on there all supporting Elon Musk. So it's, it's just a, it's, it's just become a weird place. And, um, uh, it's still fun to to to, to poke fun at, at at Elon Musk on his own threads, though. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I prefer to just uh, leave him alone to his own devices. Um, I'm, by the way, I have to announce as of this minute, I just I just refreshed my my supporter page of Connect Safely, and Twitter's logo is no longer on it. My my associate must have taken it down <laughs> while you. we were on the he air. Heard you talking? I said, "Oh, yes. let's, uh, let's get it's that gone. off of there." I also her. I took it off of my sites actually while we were here. There's uh, some there's some serious concerns. Um, uh, uh, there the the trust and safety people are gone. So are yeah. the CSAM uh, people. Uh, there's some concern yeah. about Twitter's ability to block CSAM, let alone its that's desire right. to do so. So I think that's yeah. probably appropriate to uh, for. Oh yeah, no. The, the the problem. I mean, the, there are reports of increased hate speech. I mean, there's all sorts of reports of things happening on Twitter that are negative. And and he, you know, and he's banning journalists. Yeah. Yet leaving alone the trolls and the the hate. And as we pointed out earlier, the bots are still there as well. So yeah. Yeah. he's going after the wrong people. All right, enough of that. We're going to move on. Uh, but uh, you know. If, as little as I want to talk about this, and I know as much as you guys want us to not talk about it, it's kind of important stuff going on. And I, I don't think we can. It's like Trump. You know, it's should true. we? A lot of media people are, are are accepting some blame for putting Trump on the front page day after day after day. Right. Yet, how do you ignore it? I mean, right. how do you not cover a train wreck? Which you know, well, daily and, and I guess this is what I'm trying to say is okay, it's over. <laughs> Twitter's dead. Elon's dead to me. Let's move on. The problem is nobody wants to move on. Everybody wants to have their Twitter account. I still have people in this company. I would love to tell my my marketing uh, team to stop using Twitter, but uh, you know it's impossible to get people to move on. So as long as people continue to try to, I don't know what, save Twitter, participate in the dumpster fire, I don't know what it is. I guess we'll have to cover it. I would love. I mean, to that's where the- it's irrelevant. Just, I mean, I don't. We don't talk about four chan. It's irrelevant. I, I, I but, but, but all, all my, you know, the people I know are not on 4chan. That's the difference. And with Facebook, I, we went through this. I left Facebook a few years ago, but what I left was 
all my family and friends who don't use anything but Facebook. That's what I left. Same. And so, and so in the case of Twitter, it's easier because a lot of, uh, the, the, my readership and, 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 uh, uh, followers and so on have moved to Macedon, which is great. Uh, with Facebook that way, you know, it's harder to get, you know, your, 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 your grandma or somebody like that to move to another social network just because you did. So when I, I, I was like, come on, everybody, let's all leave Facebook. And then nobody did. Just I me. So, <laughs> fortunately, so anyway, it's, it's, grandma does not use Twitter. Yeah. No, she does not. Uh, really, the, the I think the real problem is people are addicted. I mean, like almost physically addicted to the churn of Twitter. And Macedon is just as addictive. It's, <laughs> well, it's the same... Go there, you know, the dynamics. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm not criticizing. Uh, offensive. <laughs> That's my point. Go to if if you're addicted to Twitter, go go be addicted to Mastodon yeah. instead. Yeah. If you need that endorphin hit, you won't get the big outrage ar uh, arguments though. It's not kind of like methadone, right? It's like yeah, it's methadone. <laughs> exactly. There, it's yeah. Twitter it's without smack, the high. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, exactly it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, our show. <laughs> let's take a little break. We'll come back with more in just a bit. No more Elon or Twitter. Uh, and well, one more thing. There are people. That <laughs> there are people in chat room said Twitter's not dead. Is Twitter not dead? Well, I don't know. Let me, look, I, let, let me go to Twitter and find out. Yeah, it I think it's dying. Forward, but yeah, yeah I guess it could come back. Elon's now uh, acting all contrite, saying he just posted this a couple of minutes ago. Going forward, there'll be a vote for major policy changes. My apologies, won't happen again. A vote? You mean like a poll on Twitter? Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, MySpace is still alive. Yeah, that's yeah, right. It it'll is. be alive. It'll be alive like MySpace is alive. Let's put it on the Fediverse. Yeah, they that, should. It. They would. Be oh, I don't know. I think blocked. somebody's going to buy it. I if I had a if I had a couple of billion dollars, I might I might put a bid on it. And Elon would be so yeah. glad to get out of the, the problem. Is there's yeah. debt. And you can't yeah, buy yeah, it for right. two, two bucks because uh, there's $13 yeah. billion dollars in debt. What are you going to do about yeah. that? Right. That's the problem. That's not going yeah. away. And, uh, and yeah. some Even of that if I debt, can together $2 billion. the number <laughs> one debtor is yeah. the uh, Saudi sovereign fund. And you don't want to cross yeah. MBS. I hear he can be very angry. <laughs> Nor do you want to write him a check either. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Either one. Yeah. 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 Right. Our show today brought to you by stamps.com. Oh, it is the season to be jolly but not to go to the post office. Uh, if you're a small business, it's hard because the post office is full of wonderful, cheerful people with arms full of gifts they're mailing, and those long lines are going to slow you down. The good news is if you're a small business, you don't have to slay through the traffic to the post office if your inbox is more like a blizzard than a winter wonderland are you rushing to send cards and gifts to your loyal clients don't you don't have to go to the post office go to stamps.com it is not too late to get your holiday mailing and shipping under control with stamps.com there's no lines there's no lines sign up now you'll be printing your own postage in minutes there's no postage meter, no special ink, just your computer, your printer, and Stamps.com. How do I know? <laughs> We've been using it for more than a decade now. In fact, Stamps.com has been advertising on our show since 2012, which means I'm wondering if you've heard me talk about it for 10 years and you still haven't tried it, what are you waiting for? This is the time. Your 
post office right at your desk. Stamps.com. And by the way, it's more than just the U.S. Postal Service. This is something that happened and just this year, and I'm so excited about. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over a million businesses using it to conduct business with the U.S. Postal Service. Well, now you get the U.S. Postal Service and UPS. UPS. So everything you need for all your mailing and shipping is right there at your desk, your computer. No lines, no traffic, no hassle. And I love it because Stamps.com has arranged major discounts with both services that you can't get at the post office. UPS and USPS rates up to 86% off. Uh, I think Stamps.com is great. A stress-free solution for every small business. So use it. Use it. Stamps.com. We do, for goodness sakes. Stamps.com. You could print postage. Right on the envelope if you want. You print your logo. It fills in the return address. It'll even take the sender's address from your website. So if you're on eBay, Etsy, Amazon, if you're a seller there, you don't even have to fill out anything. It'll fill out uh, uh, overseas international mailing forms. It'll fill out uh, uh, you know, certified mail. All the different forms, it fills out automatically. Customs forms from the website, right? And, and when it's time for the package pickup, you just push a button on your dashboard the, an official, uh, a uniformed uh, official with the United States government, a.k.a. your mail carrier, will come. Or, or or the guy in the brown shorts from UPS will come and they'll pick it up and they'll, they'll take it. You don't have to ever get up from your desk. One other thing I love about Stamps.com, rates are constantly changing. It's very hard to keep track of who's going to be the best person to use. With Stamps.com's switch and save feature, you can easily compare carriers and rates. So you know you're getting the best deal every time. And I love this feature. When you're, when you're mailing something and uh, Stamps.com says, oh, is that a book? You could do it media mail. They'll save you money. They'll make suggestions to save you money. You even get a scale so you know exactly how much it's going to cost. You always print exactly the right postage. And it looks so much more professional. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten an Etsy package that's tied up with brown twine and brown paper. And somebody's stuck like 30 stamps onto the front of it. Uh, that's a, that is not a good, I guess maybe you want to look at really kind of down home, okay, but... It's not the most professional look, and and it's also happened many times to me. Postage due, not with stamps. dot com. You got the scale. You always have exact. You don't pay a penny more or less than you have to. If you're working in a, in an online store, uh, like I said, Amazon, Etsy, eBay, it works seamlessly with all and Shopify and all the major shopping carts and marketplaces. Saves you time, saves you typing, makes it very easy and very professional. Really, really professional. This holiday season, trade late nights for silent. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with our promo code TWIT. And you'll get a special offer. It's four weeks of Stamps.com, a four-week trial, free postage that you can use over a period of time. I think it's a significant amount of free postage. You'll get that free USB scale so you know exactly what you're sending. Uh, no long-term commitments, no contracts. All you have to do, go to Stamps.com. There's a microphone in the upper hand, right-hand corner. You know, it says, heard it on a podcast. You click that. And you enter TWIT, and, and immediately you'll see what a great deal we have for you. Four-week trial, free postage, free digital scale, no long-term commitment, stamps.com. I cannot recommend it more highly. It's just the best. We, we couldn't live without it these days. Okay. I'm kind of in the TWIT hangover here. Now another story that makes me mad. The Senate, by acclamation unanimously has voted to ban TikTok on government devices. 
the No TikTok on Government Devices Act, introduced by Senator Josh Hawley, of course, passed by unanimous consent late Wednesday. No one objected. The proposal prohibits certain individuals from downloading or using TikTok on any device issued by the United States or a government corporation. Now, obviously, they can't ban, 13 states have done the same. They can't ban TikTok from my phone because, you know, my personal phone or your personal phone or even a government employee's personal phone. But they sure would like to. Hawley said TikTok is a Trojan horse for the Chinese Communist Party, a major security risk to the United States. And until it is forced to sever ties with China completely, it has no place on government devices. Mike, you agree? No, I think um, I think that they, there is a case for certain types of military personnel. So, for example, if you recall years ago, they, uh, you could tell where there were secret uh, bases for special forces in Afghanistan because the Fitbit data uh, sort of showed everybody running around in the, Af- you know, all these Americans running around in the in the Afghan desert or something like that. But that's a rare case. I mean, most of us are not um, special forces uh, deployed in on secret bases. So I think there's a there's a case to be made not just for TikTok but for any sort of device that uh, harvests information. What I think. Um, I, I think the the states who are banning TikTok f- um, for government employees and now the Senate it still has to be passed by the House and signed by the president. Uh, I think what the government, if, if, if the U.S. was serious about it, they'd really understand the risk. The risk isn't so much data. We've talked about this on this show before. The risk is their ability during a conflict to have a lot of propaganda. It's a powerful propaganda tool, I think that the U.S. government should figure out how to sort of monitor TikTok to a certain extent, uh, to have a, a way to pull the plug if there was a conflict with China, uh, that sort of thing. That would be rational. This is just like irrational. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a lot of um, posturing and, and, and pandering to, to the ignorant, essentially, uh, making it seem like, oh, the Chinese government's watching everything we do, et cetera. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's BS. Uh, I have to say, if I were the Chinese government trying to sway the American electorate, I might rush to Twitter faster than I'd rush to TikTok or Facebook. It costs them $8 a month. Yeah. Uh, TikTok, it's a little harder to sway public opinion. Uh, I mean, I guess there's two potential threats to TikTok. One is that it's gathering more information on you uh, than you think or know. Um, For that, I will refer you to a Kaspersky study tiktok privacy and security is tiktok safe to use they steve gibson talked about this on uh, security now this week um essentially their conclusion is it's no different than any other app on your phone it does not it does this according to the new york times the cia reportedly investigated tiktok found no concrete evidence the Chinese intelligence authorities are spying on users. It does not exfiltrate an abnormal amount of information from your phone. If you're using an yeah. iPhone, it adheres to the same limits uh, that Apple imposes on other social networks. So it, the two possibilities are it's spying on you or that it's going to be used to propagandize you. Yeah. If it's not spying on you, propaganda is a lot easier over on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Well, I, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll, go ahead. Well, I'm saying they're, they're, I, I want to disclose that they are one of our supporters, one of Connect Safely supporters. 
We do in our parents' guide to TikTok raise the China issue. We did this like two years ago. We raised the China issue and simply reported what they claimed at the time is that they have no servers in China. Although it doesn't matter because you can be sitting in China and access a server that's anywhere in the in the world. I do think TikTok uh, has moved their yeah. U.S. data to Oracle. I think that right, but but yeah. the, it, it's theoretically possible for somebody to be sitting in Beijing and log in to a server that's located anywhere. But but the point is, I think that much of the information that's on TikTok is quasi-public to begin with. I mean, I can go to TikTok and I can watch people do what they do. Now, now, admittedly, I don't know what they're watching. Only TikTok knows that kind of data. But I, 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 I'm with Mike on this. I mean, do I worry at all about about China and TikTok? I, uh, yes. But I also worry about the fact that Apple has a relationship with China. Everybody has a relationship with China. I mean, except, there's Chinese chips Google. in this phone that I have. Except Google. Wait, are you saying there's no Chinese chips in a Pixel phone? Oh, uh, well, that's uh, the phone. Yeah, we're all using yeah. unless you're using Samsung. Yeah. Uh, most phones, certainly iPhones and Google, are Google phones yeah. made in China? Or, well, even if they're not made in China, I can't believe made, that some they of the used tech- to be made by HTC, but I don't know. They might yeah. be made. In anyway, my point is that, I mean, you know, China is everywhere. You can't shop at Walmart without doing business in China with China. And and the, and I, I'm not saying that China is benign. I'm not saying that there isn't the possibility of extracting data, but I'm saying is there's so much of that. And it is a fundamental, almost an existential question that Americans have to ask themselves if we are worried about China, if we really think China is the evil empire of, of this of this century, then our entire economy has to be unintertwined with it because we are so in bed with China. I mean, you again, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, if you wanted to buy a pair of jeans and I looked, it was something like $12 in the 1950s. To buy a pair of jeans, that's like two hundred dollars or something today. You can buy jeans at Walmart or or, or Amazon for ten, twelve dollars, made in China or maybe Vietnam or somewhere else. But the point is that that if we want to break ties with China, we better get it ready to pay a lot more for our goods. Not to mention, actually, yeah, yeah the the biggest ri- the, the biggest risk uh, from TikTok is just how compelling the content is. I mean, I, here's yeah. a perspective I can give that, that, uh, that as somebody who lives in all kinds of different countries all the time, almost everywhere you go, there are a lot in a lot of countries like, like Morocco, we spend a lot of time in Morocco, for example, police are sort of posted in public places and they stand there and their job is to watch what's going on. And, and almost to a person, the police are watching TikTok on their phones. <laughs> Uh, security guards. It's the same thing here in, 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 in Oaxaca. You see, if, if a police person isn't driving or something like that, they're watching TikTok. Great. It's they're a, watching TikTok a, and not you. That's good. It, it, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> TikTok or, or is, the guy, or, look, if there's anything wrong with TikTok, it's that it's extremely addictive and entertaining. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And there, and there are reasons for that because it's pure algorithmic. It's not about social cues or anything like that. And it's a, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of an amazing thing that that's the sort of thing that uh, others, I will social grant networks, you that they are the best at gathering algorithm, algorithmically yep. gathering what you're interested in. They're yes, very, yes. very good at that. Nobody does that better. That's right. Is in that fact, hazardous it's so good that None of us. Sh- I don't know, but it's so good that none of us should admit what we see when we go to TikTok. That's how <laughs> because it's very <laughs> telling. Oh, that very explains telling. <laughs> a couple a couple thoughts on TikTok is, you know, one of the things that TikTok has done, and, and there were 
signals that this was going to happen, that somebody was going to get this right for a while, which was the idea of mapping from the social graph, meaning that it's all about who you follow and you have to follow the right people. And then you'll, you get the content that, um, is, is aimed at you. Um, what TikTok did and has done and is doing and that others haven't been able to replicate yet, but are, are working on is they've mapped the interest graph, right? So they understand your interests. They've been better essentially at machine learning and, and data and they map your interests better. And so when you go there, you see, I see a higher number of things that I actually want to see on TikTok than I do on Instagram, far more than Twitter, Facebook, I don't really go to any longer, um, YouTube even. So they have done this so well Very because well. that's what they were all about, right? right? They, they focused everything on that and they're doing it better. I think the others will catch up. And um, I think we do have to keep in mind that TikTok um, is doing, I think, as much as they can to sort of put themselves at arm distant, uh, you know, arm's length from China, from the Chinese government. Yet there are signs that there's still, um, uh, you know, a, a, some close ties there. I'll, I'll just share one. It's a little bit exceptional, but um, but it is data-based. And um, Valuetainment uh, last week and Patrick Bet David, who runs that, um, had this very inflammatory headline in this YouTube video that says how TikTok is destroying America and why it needs to be banned, which I think is is over the top. However, he did run this experiment where he showed, um, you know, here's what all of my views were and uh, the number of um, videos that I had that had zero to 20,000 views, 20 to 100,000 views, 100,000 um, to a million and, and over a million. And he ran this experiment where he says he after he did that and he collected that data, he published a video um, very um, and I think it was in August of this year. Um, he published a video uh, that was um, inflammatory and critical of the Chinese government. And then he tracked what the data was, um, the, the popularity of his videos afterwards up until last week. And you see that they massively dropped off, yeah. right? And we're that now no longer me. promoted, right? But is that a, a hazard to but, us that anything we say negative about the Chinese government will not appear on TikTok? Is that, uh, is that what we're worried about? Well, I think... <laughs> I think yeah. By the way, you can't say anything about Mastodon on Twitter either. I mean, is that what we're worried about, really? I mean, is that what we're worried about? What? I think I'm more worried about, to be yeah. honest, valuetainment. Using, I mean, YouTube is much more of a problem in terms of radicalization. If TikTok wants personal information, they can buy it like anybody else can from a data broker. Sure. Uh, if TikTok wants to sway our opinions, maybe that's possible. But the fact that TikTok downgrades negative comments about china if that's the hazard we're worried about that doesn't that seems kind of you know dimitivous. i've dipped my toe in in the tip tiktok waters here and there and and people talk about things like you know views of the chinese uh political system and all this stuff i never saw anything like that when i go to tiktok it's all more frivolous things yeah. and people like you know doing things with fish and I think whatever they want, their, and, it's their interest their commercial interest to promote stuff you're going to watch more of period sure but again, I think sure. there's a potential and I don't I think the Chinese government, I mean, the Chinese government, by the way, bans TikTok like you can't like TikTok is banned in China. Right. Uh, oddly enough. Uh, but but I think I think oh. that the Chinese government 
uh, views TikTok as one lever of many that they have. If they're if they were to invade Taiwan, for example, and there's a global conflict or, or whatever, I think they would go there. I, I think I would worry and, and more if it were risk. the only source of information people were getting, and maybe it is yeah. with young people. I don't know, but. right? Yeah. But but you know my, that's why my view is that you know we should sort of like be aware of that of the potential uh, uh, propaganda uh, element uh, should should that uh, ever occur and at that point it, the, the plug could be pulled. I just hope it never comes to that. I hope there's no conflict over Taiwan yeah. and 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 uh, you know it's it, but in the meantime um, it, it seems like a lot of the a lot of the uh, political rhetoric around TikTok is 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 kind of. Uh, BS. It also feels a little bit uh, uh, xenophobic uh, to me because there are plenty of American companies that are invading our privacy far, right. far exactly. more and they're not doing anything about that. Yeah, um, and I will say, t I'm sorry. And uh, and again, TikTok, or rather the Chinese Communist Party, if they want to influence Americans, have much more direct avenues to do so. Yeah. And, so on, if, you know, TikTok we, is pretty good. I mean, as, as again, they, they are one of the groups of companies we work with that connect safely. And their parental controls and their child protection systems, while none of them are perfect, are on par with what you would expect from a, a, a decent company. I mean, they, they do a, a good job trying to protect kids from bullying and, and other other harm. So, you know, from where I sit, I, I don't have any huge complaints about that. Aspect there was a story this so, week, which I didn't read because it seemed like link bait to me, that TikTok pushes harmful content every two minutes. No. And how you define harmful content? Yeah, if it's bikini, uh, maybe I don't know. Um, this uh, well, is saying that if you are a teenager and you sign up, that every um, few minutes you're immediately pushed, you know, um, toward content. They know nothing about you. You're immediately pushed toward con content that um, is pushing you toward eating disorder um, kind of things right. and self harm stuff. So, yeah. Self harm. So this exactly. is from the Center for Countering Digital Hate report they published this week found it can take less than three minutes after signing up for a TikTok account to see content related to suicide, which I have never seen on TikTok. I must be doing something yeah. wrong. Or about yeah. five more minutes to find a community promoting eater, eating disorder content. Again, I must be doing something wrong because I haven't seen that. Yeah. I think the thing to think about, I think here, just to, to sort of put it in perspective, is that if we felt like if we put one of the other platforms on the table, if it was Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, um, we'll, we'll sort of put all the rest of our Twitter conversation aside. And we felt like as soon as you started, um, uh, you know, discriminating again or, or posting, you know, hate speech or we'll not even call it hate speech criticism of, because to be fair, the value attainment example, it was just criticism of, the um, policies of the Chinese government. If you, if any of us started um, publishing policies on any of these U.S.-based Twitter platforms and all uh, of criticism of the U.S. government, and all of a sudden our, um, you know, uh, content started having lower thresholds of of followers and those kinds of things. I think we would have a problem with that. I think we would feel like that's not something we want to support. And that's not something that we want to think of as a platform that, uh, you know, is creating the, the sort of atmosphere that, that we want. And so I'm, it's not, I'm not saying that everyone shouldn't stop using TikTok. I still use TikTok myself. I'm just saying 
we should have we should go into all these things with awareness we talked about earlier the fact that uh we there was this false narrative that we were having a public town square and come to find out it's not really public and uh and now we need to think about sort of a different path forward and and certainly this is just another example of the fact that these platforms are owned by companies, but now these companies um, are influenced by uh, by governments in ways that really we should we should have some transparency around the facts of what's really happening and what's really driving, um, especially these interest graph uh, you know driven uh, phenomenon, which is le- which is in TikTok today, but is likely to be in all of these platforms in the years ahead. Yeah. I think yeah. if we're going to have a what Jeff Jarvis would call a moral panic over uh, uh, TikTok, what, what the real thing we should be panicking about or freaking out about or thinking about is the fact that algorithms and artificial intelligence that can custom tailor things just the way we want them, uh, this is going to be ubiquitous. It's not. Yeah. This is not about TikTok. It's about everything, yeah. right? Yeah, so exactly. you have you. We're exactly. entering in a world. We're entering in a world of of where the vast majority almost all of content that will be posted online will be synthetic media, right? AI is going to write the words we read. It's going to create the pictures that we see. It's going to create videos we see. And this will be highly tweakable and customizable. And this is something that I think nobody's really talking about. TikTok is is kind of doing us a favor because they're saying, here's a little tiny glimpse of how everything is going to work in the future. And that's what we should be talking about. And it's going to get worse with the metaverse and AR and VR and whatever evolves from this. We are going, we are, because we're voluntarily putting ourselves into a virtual environment anyway, right? How do I know who that avatar really is? How do I know who's behind that avatar? That car that drives by, how do I know whether that's just some cool car somebody created or whether it's something that Ford is trying to get me to buy? I mean, there's so much that we are going to have to, you know, put our critical thinking caps on uh, if if we want to survive the metaverse. And it's going to just be overwhelming. I I, I think the metaverse is going nowhere, honestly. I think it's... uh, I don't know. I I feel like there's a homeostatic uh, mechanism in humans that we are, you know, we'll eat too much sugar or we'll watch too many TikTok videos. And then we start to go, oh, yeah, and we and we we protect ourselves. There's some people who are going to yeah. fall down the rabbit mm. hole. But most humans, when uh, they're faced with addictive behavior, eventually go, oh, yeah, this isn't working for me and back off. Or maybe that's not the case. No, no, I, th- I think that is the case. And I think we've already seen it with the election. So the midterm elections, uh, the, the sway of disinformation deliberate political disinformation it was less persuasive this time around even though there's a lot more of it and so we basically there's a self-correcting mechanism off of it sort of enough enough to the point where the you know election denier types mostly lost and so you know in in it was just a couple of years ago when disinformation was way more effective so i think i think we are capable of learning of adapting and of protecting ourselves and finding out what's uh, healthy what's unhealthy and so on and again like you say leo some people are just getting at mcdonald's every day but uh most of us don't yeah and i i I, I would hope it's not the government's role to protect ourselves i hate to throw cold water in you but i was i was in little rock arkansas about a year ago and i couldn't help notice that almost everybody i ran into was obese I mean, I would be well, shocked. It's, it's a national problem. And yeah. It's a, but it's especially when you get away from the coasts, especially yeah. when you get into the red states. It is there. There is a very large segment of our population that is not stepping away from the excessive sugar. And I'm I'm almost using that as a metaphor. 
I mean, well, you know, whether it's overeating or voting in a in a in a, in a, a way that's against your self interest or whatever, there are people in this country who, for whatever reason, are not thinking uh, about what is truly in their best interest, at least not acting on it. And it's a perfect metaphor, actually, because because the the companies that create the the, the most compelling junk food have done that by. Uh, by by sort of reverse engineering our desires for yeah. salt and fat and, and sugar the same and so thing on. TikTok mm-hmm. is doing, except yeah. instead of with right. our eyeballs, with our taste buds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but I do think we're learning. I honestly, us, yeah. the the news yeah. is kind of it's slow, but the news is going forth. We've got an obesity epidemic. People are getting sick. Uh, what we were telling, partly it was because the U.S. government was saying, "Don't eat fat." And uh, and so people were, people were, were choosing Cheerios, and uh, and I think that's that's kind of turned a little bit. I don't know, you know, uh, maybe it's the arc of justice uh, is is long and bends towards uh, less Cheerios. I don't know, but I feel like <laughs> to, to paraphrase Martin Luther King, I feel like you can uh, <laughs> you can have some hope. All I know is uh, when I go to TikTok, all I really ever want to see is. More and more cheesy gordita crunches uh, because talk about junk food. That's <laughs> junk food, but it's my that son. Looks delicious. So and uh, yeah, you might. Oh, you, your son makes people might say, "Oh, here you'll like this one." This is uh, four and a half million views. Uh, people might say, "Oh, Leo, you like TikTok because your son makes his living on TikTok." But even he understands that. This isn't going to look last at that sandwich. Yeah. How did he stay so thin? Yeah, he you doesn't eat this stuff. Are you kidding? <laughs> he's a pusher. <laughs> I don't know because he's never brought it over to my house. He makes it, but uh, he never. I hate to it admit over. it, but he could come over, take it over to my house. Oh, anytime. Doesn't that <laughs> great looking. Oh my yeah. god! All right, uh, a little. <laughs> to me, that's TikTok. That's all I need is just food, food porn. Uh, let's take a little break. Come come back with more. I do. I do think. I, I just make it clear. It's perfectly legitimate for government to say government employees can't have TikTok on their government owned phone. That's right. fine. If an employer wants to say that, that's fine. The Department sure. of Events bans Strava, the running app, because it turned out you could tell where stuff was at the Pentagon yeah. because everybody was using it. That's appropriate. Yeah. Ban. I'm not saying you shouldn't ban it from government phones. I'm just saying. I feel like there is a move in Congress to at the FC. There's an FCC commissioner saying we should ban TikTok nationally. There's mm-hmm. a move to banning it. And I think that that's one of those things where you go, okay, good. We took care of social. What's yeah. next? Where yeah. there's really a much larger problem. Yeah. It's with, almost virtual sig- signaling in a way. It's virtual it's like, signaling. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it yep. kills two birds with one stone uh, among uh, mostly on the on the right politically because TikTok is a new thing. It's a very powerful and cultural Chinese, force. Right. And it, and then China China's involved. So it's like you can you can rack up votes by 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 opposing those two things all at once. Yep. And And really, how many government employees have government phones? Right. Right. It's like, is that, I, I have no idea, but I, I would guess that most don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think postal workers have government phones. I don't think, no. I don't know. I, I, I think we're talking about, you know, a, a few well, thousand I can, phones. I, I guarantee one thing, if they have a government phone, they also have a personal phone where they can put TikTok on it. Right. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they do. And you can't they shouldn't have that. any social apps on their government phones unless you they work shouldn't. in social media. No, they, they should exactly. be very social media yeah. apps. Exactly. Yeah. And if I no, provide no. a phone to an employee, it's my right to say you can't be using the, 
you know, and and or at work they can't be sitting watching TikTok at work all the time. I don't stop. And they have no expectation of privacy either. No, that's right. Spy on your employees. Courts have upheld that time and time again. You're using my gear, my internet. I can tell you what the rules are. Mm-hmm. But it's okay, John. You can watch all the TikTok you want. I don't mind. As long as it's Salt Hanks. <laughs> Research. Salt, Salt Hanks Gordita Crunch. He's on Mastodon right now. Good job. Uh, <laughs> I do not own a stake in Mastodon, by the way. No one does. Uh, in fact, Mastodon just costs us money. It doesn't make us any money. Uh, <laughs> our, our show today, uh, speaking of America's obesity crisis, brought to you by Noom. Now I am, this is, this is a, this is an app you absolutely should put on your phone. Uh, I don't go anywhere without my uh, Noom app. What is Noom? It's not a diet. So that's really important because diets, I think we've learned diets don't work. If I tell you, you may not eat something, what are you going to crave more than anything else? That thing, right? And eventually you're going to eat it. You really are. Noom is different. Noom is different. It is a psychology-first approach that lets you stay focused on what's important to you. When you decide to lose weight, it's not just the number on the scale. There's a lot of reasons people want to lose weight, to be healthier, to be more active, to be better looking. Whatever your reason for losing weight, whatever reason for wanting, I shouldn't even say losing weight, for wanting to take control of your body, Noom's there to help. Do you eat because you're bored? Can you, you, this is a bad one for me. Can you pass up food when it's free? If somebody brings me donuts, I'm going to eat the donut. If the answer is yes, don't stress. Noom Weight helps you break the cycle and change your habits for good. Uh, I, for instance, I'm a fog eater. And I know this because I've, having done Noom now for more than a year, I've gone through all the lessons you get with Noom. You get all sorts of things to help you understand what you're doing. I've learned that, you know, I, I, now I observe, I go in and I'm not paying attention. I stuff my mouth because I'm watching a TikTok or, or whatever, you know, I'm watching those videos from Henry and I got to eat something, right? But that insight is so much better than being restrictive. Sam is saying, you know, don't do this, don't do that. It's understanding what you do so you can make a choice. And that's how you break the cycle. That's how you change your habits for good. Noom weight is not a diet. It's different. It uses psychology to help you understand your eating habits, to learn how to make healthier choices every day. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices, why you're craving what you crave. To, and it's it's such a success. To date, Noom weight has helped more than 4.6 million people lose weight. Active Noomers lose an average of 15 pounds in 16 weeks. 95% of customers say Noom Weight is a good long-term solution. Uh, and I know it. I've been using it. Lisa loves it. She didn't have much weight to lose, but those last few pounds were very hard for her. Noom made the, all the difference. And, she, and a year later, she hasn't gained the weight back. We also have members of our community, Brianna Wu. Uh, she's been looking fantastic. I said, what have you been doing? She said, I did Noom. I lost 100 pounds. Now, not everybody loses 100 pounds, obviously. Not everybody should lose 100 pounds. Lisa lost, I think, 5 or 10. But she's very, very happy. And I'll tell you what, both of us, every meal, we pull out our phones. We do our Noom. Every evening, we do our lessons. You can have a a regular counselor who works with you. You can have a group that works with you. You get to choose how Noom works. In fact, one of the things you'll notice when you first sign up for Noom, is it asks you a lot of questions. That's so it can tailor a program specifically to you. Their f- flexible program focuses on progress, 
not perfection. We're not talking giving up carbs or creating other restrictions because that's, that's, that's counterproductive. If you've got cravings or food FOMO, I definitely have food FOMO when it's pizza day at Twit. <laughs> it's hard for me. But Noom Weight has helped me lose weight by, well, enjoying my favorite foods, being conscious about what I'm doing. You choose your level of support from five-minute daily check-ins to personal coaching. They've published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles to inform users, practitioners, scientists, the public. Peer-reviewed articles about their methods and effectiveness. In fact, they're doing a book. You can pre-order it, the first book ever, The Noom Mindset, a deep dive into the psychology of behavior change. They use cognitive behavioral therapy and other established psychological techniques to help you understand what you're doing, and to take control of your health. I love it. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom Weight's psychology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today. You could, I know you're smart. You can go to the app store and download it, but please do me a favor. First, go to Noom, N-O-O-M.com slash twit. Noom.com slash twit. A, that's where you'll sign up for the trial. B, if you do that, then they know that you saw it here. And we love these guys. We want to keep them as a sponsor. We want to keep them happy. So go to Noom.com slash twit. Let them know you saw it on the show. Noom. It, it has worked for me. It works for Lisa. It works for so many people. I know one of our uh, chat regular chatters lost 60 pounds. In fact, he was on yesterday. We were, we were practicing for a new show, and he called in. And I was watching the chat room. People saying, what? Is that Retcon 5? What? He, yeah. I didn't recognize him either. Noom. It works. All right. Uh, let's see. What else to talk about? Samuel Bankman Freed. Arrested in the Bahamas. Uh, charges from the U.S. District, U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York. His, uh, he will be uh, presumably extradited from the Bahamas to face criminal charges in the U.S. This is, of course, the founder of FTX. In fact, the funny thing is they arrested him the day before he was supposed to testify in Congress. This guy was acting as if, I, you know, these things happen. It didn't do anything wrong. And I was, it was puzzling me that he was not, that was, what was it? Is it true he did nothing illegal? Well, maybe he it's did. It's a bad year for billionaires. You know, Good. I, and I, they deserve I hope that, it. I hope that I, I hope that we stop worshiping billionaires, yes. freaking billionaires in America. To some degree, know. he got away with what he did, just like Bernie Madoff, because we do yeah. worship wealth. We do. Yeah. Yep. I remember when the industry standard, which was this Silicon Valley magazine, came out. And they used to put all these people on their cover. And the only thing these people had ever accomplished was that they raised money. They didn't make money. They didn't they didn't have a product that was profitable. They just got other people to give them money and that got them on the cover of a magazine. And and, and I don't know what it is that, that Bankman, you know, accomplished other than convincing people to turn money over to him. But, uh, you know, why don't we reserve those covers for people to actually accomplish something? Here's the question, by the way, uh, uh, people who did ads for FDX, uh, including Tom Brady, his wife, Giselle Bunchen. Yeah. Larry David, Jack. the famous ad on the Super Bowl. Larry David saying, ah, no. Nah. Uh, uh, and Shaq all yeah. did endorsements. Shaq saying, hey, his, his defense yeah. is, he's being sued. They all are. Hey, uh, just a paid endorser. I was lying. I, I, don't, I don't know anything about crypto. I was just a paid endorser. Yeah, his defense is he was lying. That, By the way, that defense works, you know? Uh, yep. Isn't that what... Yeah. Uh, 
who is it? Tucker Carlson's defense. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. Uh, nobody hey, should take me knows, seriously. Like, nobody should take me seriously. It's I'm an entertainer. Right. <laughs> well, you know the the thing the thing that's so interesting about this is that you know he was flying so high. He's like he's like uh, the guy from WeWork or Elizabeth Holmes or any of these mm-hmm. other um, uh, narcissistic. Uh, money raisers uh and just had all the answers right right out of school practically and just had had all the answers about how to how to do his business but he was just doing shady businesses pumping uh the 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 people's money into alameda research doing all these you know uh shady things and by the way i bet he can't wait to get extradited because the jail he's been in in the bahamas is supposed to be a horrible jail really (laughs) Uh, yeah like the, the inmates supposedly have to remove the feces or the bucket and all this kind of, uh, I mean, it's like, a, it's really kind of a, not a happy uh, uh, place to be, but he, you know, he could get a slap on the wrist. He could get a few years in jail at the end of this, or he could get a life sentence. Nobody knows. I fear they may choose to make an example out of him. And, um, and then, you know, uh, he could get uh, a couple of life sentences like Bernie Madoff did. Well, we know that in this country, the worst crime you can commit is to steal from rich people. Uh, that's why Elizabeth Holmes will be doing more than 12 years. Uh, Sonny Balwani, more than 14 years. because Not because they uh, hurt people's health by proposing a way to test blood by the droplet, but because they hurt, because rich people lost money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the worst thing you can do. So I wouldn't be surprised if they throw the book at him. He has been indicted. Uh, on charges of conspiracy to commit wire fraud, wire fraud, conspiracy to commit commodities fraud, conspiracy to commit securities fraud, money laundering, conspiracy to defraud the Federal Election Commission because he was giving a lot of money to candidates, both left and right, mm. and to commit campaign finance violations. Uh, so I guess the larger question is, I saw a member of Congress uh, on on the floor say, you know, we shouldn't, this guy was a, was a fraud, but we shouldn't extend this to doubting Bitcoin. Um, is that fair? Is this, this isn't a crime of, uh, of crypto. This is something separate. Yeah, no, I think it is. I think that is fair on its face. Uh, I, I I don't recommend. I feel like this congressman must've been sponsored by crypto.com yeah. but okay yeah. or binance no but 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 to larry's point you know we we should we should be investing our money in things that employ people that things that feed people things that provide goods and services people need and use instead of uh crypto where it's just like yeah just make me rich i don't care if i'm contributing anything to society i just want money and uh, therefore i'm going to invest in, in bitcoin i think that's the best reason to avoid bitcoin but i don't think you know the, the this crimes of this particular case are specific to how he ran his businesses and i don't think they necessarily reflect on bitcoin generally even though there are other exchanges that are also doing shady things um in addition to him yeah he, it, it- Oh, sorry, go ahead. He uh, a little bit, I think, greenwashed his activities by talking about effective altruism, by donating uh, the fraudulently <laughs> earned money, because uh, there was money in some form or fashion. Uh, he deliv- delivered $40 million in political campaign contributions, mostly to uh, the DNC and other uh, left wing. The biggest one was the Protect Our Future PAC which was uh, the effective altruism pack, $27 million to that, to the House Majority Pack, a super PAC supporting House Democrats, $6 million. But he also had other, 
you know, other uh, donations to uh, Republican candidates as well. I mean, if you're making political donations, the smart thing to do is to spread it around so that everybody owes you. Uh, but also, I think he was using that as a way of, because remember all those glowing articles about SBF and yep. and what a oh, yeah. benefactor society yep. he was. And, and all yeah. he, he was an amazing PR person. Like you, you also can't, you know, uh, get around the fact that he talked a big game. People wanted to believe we, we just still have this, um, obsession. The media has this obsession with creating heroes and they love to make billionaire heroes. Right. And so, you know, that whole, um, you know, that, that, that whole, theme is sort of under also under scrutiny right because uh he was one um elon musk was one for many years right now um we're seeing that those things create these just terrible uh terrible outcomes almost uh you know one after another i think the the thing that i, I would like to say though in, in terms of crypto is, you know, crypto is the best performing asset of the past decade. Is that so true? Because of that, even after the crash. Wow. I didn't realize yeah, that. It, it, it is over a period of time. Right? If you bought it early enough, if you, you bought Nick, uh, Bitcoin, when it was a nickel, yeah. you're doing fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah. the thing is, is that makes it um, a platform for corruption too. Right. But the, that's the, but the to core, me, that's the real problem. It's not that there's something wrong with Bitcoin, but it's very easy because it's new. It's technology. It's very easy to scam people. It was a lot yeah, easier regulated. for SBF to scam people than than Bernie Madoff because yeah. he, yeah. he wasn't doing it, dollars. The, the the core. Remember what what blockchain and Bitcoin came out of though was the the you know oh nine financial crisis where um, there was this lack of accountability, this lack right. of transparency in the financial system, and it was essentially trying to. Um, find a way to get beyond that. And I think the core of that, and then it, it has since then advanced into this idea of also helping the unbanked throughout the world who get taken advantage of through greedy um, uh, forces that uh, that sometimes um, victimize them and put them in positions where they, uh, you know, end up working jobs or uh, other things for others who, again, centralized resources, extract the value, leave the average worker, the average person um, without much power and without much um, opportunity. And so um, cryptocurrency blockchain at its core does have some answers to some of those problems. And I think we shouldn't lose sight of that before you know, with the fact that there are charlatans going into this that are using it as a platform um, to to steal from people, to, uh, you know, do their get rich quick schemes and all of that, uh, just as, you know, cash is used, just as other platforms are used, the markets themselves are used. Um, it does need regulation and it needs it fast. And the hard thing is regulation is going to be very is going to continue to have a very difficult time catching up with and staying up with as fast as cryptocurrency and sort of blockchain and the crypto economy um, are uh, evolving and, and moving uh, right now. So, yeah, I, I just think we, we should keep in mind that the core of this is not um, I don't think we should call into um, question the value of Bitcoin or cryptocurrency with what happened with FTX. But isn't isn't part of the value proposition the lack of regulation? I mean, isn't yeah. that what they're yeah. they're they're after? Yeah. And uh, also, well, go ahead, Larry. 
No, I mean, the lack of regulation and also the lack of, of any connection to real world value. I mean, if you if you, I bought a CD the other day, four and a half percent. Well, I know what's going to happen with my CD. Somebody else is going to borrow the money. The bank's going to make a spread. Maybe somebody gets to buy a house. I mean, something potentially positive will happen as a result of that CD. I invest in a stock market. Well, it's a little bit of a casino, but at least there's some correlation between the performance of the company and the value of my stock. I don't see when if, if I had a bit for Bitcoin portfolio and I, I have a very tiny one, like I, I, a couple of hundred dollars just to play with it, just to figure it out. I don't see any relationship between my portfolio and any value no. in the world other than what somebody can make from Bitcoin. It's but also a little value dis- just as the U.S. dollar is, though. Right. So the, the U.S. dollar only has as much value as the people who believe in yeah. it think it is. Right. It, sure. like, so I think that's that's a, that is a more. Um, I'll tell you the difference, of, Jason. People don't buy yeah, a dollar ahead. to speculate because the dollar is so Currency stable. Trade. Nobody buys. Right. I'm going to buy a hundred thousand dollars, figuring some that next month it'll be worth two hundred thousand right. dollars. So that's the biggest <laughs> difference, and that's why people buy cryptocurrency and NFTs. Is this right. is and so the volatility kind of gives you this casino like effect. Like I could make make it big. So you're right, yeah. Jason, to say over the total lifespan of crypto. It's been a great investment, but you as a currency, as you narrow that down, it becomes less and less good. For instance, here's from uh, a tweet from somebody in the chat room put up total returns over the past five years. Bitcoin's five and a half percent T bills, much like your CDs, five point four percent. But but Ben says uh, the uh, Bitcoin was a little more volatile than the other. Uh, This is actually a more interesting analysis. This is from chain analysis. Uh, this is uh, the FTX investor impact. It was not the biggest impact yep. on cryptocurrency of the year. Far yep. worse, the FTX uh, collapse is here. Far worse, the Celsius collapse, the Terra UST token collapse, the Three Arrows Capital collapse. And here, so here's Terra, here's Celsius, here's Three Arrows Capital. That cost investors billions and billions of dollars. Celsius, that, 30, that is the fundamental billion. analysis you can do on blockchain too. And, and to be to be clear, my that's a good point. Is Those would be hidden. Similar. These losses yeah. and gains would be hidden in many other investments because it's on blockchain. It's public. So somebody yes. can go through that blockchain and say, well, here's what people gained and what people lost. That's a very good. So point. that is the fundamental analysis like you would do with a stock. Right. That's a similar. And right. I was I was saying my my connection with Bitcoin is very similar to Larry's. I, I own a very small amount, mostly out of curiosity to, and to follow it as a tech journalist. Right. To, have, to yeah. understand it, but not um, it's it's not a fundamental part of my portfolio or anything like that. But I but I think that. We should. Um, it's a very difficult thing to understand, and to also to try to understand what the future of it is, and where it's going, and what the um, possibilities are. And there is a lot of froth, and there's a lot of um, get rich quick uh, people that are chasing it, as you mentioned, Leo. And that is um, one of the things that we have to understand about it, right? There, there are essentially Ponzi schemes that are parading as cryptocurrencies. And that is one of the most dangerous parts about it. And that's why there is the need for uh, regulation. Like, I, I do believe what the folks um, like uh, the, the it Coinbase and a few others are saying that we just need some rules and guidelines. We think everyone will be better off because they know that there are um, some really negative things happening. And those are 
have the potential to destroy uh, or take away from the fundamental um, value of what people who want to build some things to bring resources to the unbanked, to um, create a store of value that's not just tied to to a government and a government and government spending and those kinds of things. And and those are values that I think are still potentially valuable with cryptocurrency, but the the story is still unwritten and uh, and, and an interesting one. How about and NFTs? Chris, Chris, I, I really like what you're saying about the unbanked people who are not participants in the overall financial operation of the world. They are really left out. And yeah. so perhaps a cryptocurrency, although I have to say El Salvador does not do itself any favors by changing its currency to Bitcoin. For sure. Um, no, not at all. Yeah. And and Bitcoin is a as you mentioned uh, to, it's a it's a, a way to get rich quick and it's also a currency. As a currency it seems to me that it's used mostly by cyber criminals for things like ransomware, DDoS extortion, crypto jacking and crypto theft itself. There's a lot of theft of 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 uh cryptocurrencies and then that's when people that's when the you know enthusiasts get feel really burned about the lack of uh, the kinds of protections that exist in the conventional financial markets where, you know, you, you're protected to a certain extent. If you, if somebody steals, you know, somebody uh, hacks and robs the, the, the place where you're keeping your cryptocurrencies and steals them all, well, too bad. You're out of luck. That's the end of the story. And to to so, be fair, more fraud is committed with the U.S. dollar with dollars than yeah, are but, committed with cryptocurrency. But, but we have protection. You, you but, do but that's, still have the blockchain it, to track it, things too. That's if been a global has, currency for centuries. You can't compare has, this new thing that mo most people don't even know what it is to to the U.S. dollar, which, by the way, it's it, for for counterfeiters for North Korea for all drug traffickers. The one hundred dollar bill is the currency of crime globally. Yes, that's true, but. It's it's not really. Let me ask the about FBI loves your bank account. You have, you have protection. Yeah, you're not really yeah, yeah, anonymous. There's a record. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have you have protection if somebody hacks into your bank account. Federal law requires that the bank make you whole. So it's not you know, there regulation, there right? Yeah. Pardon me. I'm sorry. I was I was confirming. Maybe what that's you're the saying. biggest mistake yeah. that we've made is yeah. that we haven't regulated crypto as a as a security. Maybe it should be regulated as a security. There were and maybe insured like the FDIC. And insured, yeah. How about NFTs? You NFTs. Yeah, how, how about, about NFTs? A, how about <laughs> you, know, you buy your Donald Trump trading card? So, so you yes. know what? We're going to make fun of it, right? 99 <laughs> bucks. Here it is. They were the cheesiest, uh, the worst uh, bad photoshops. Apparently, they took they took uh, a clothing from catalogs and public domain uh, <laughs> sources and and put his face on them. And uh, But I got to point out something. Not mm -hmm. only did it sell out at 99 bucks each, but it is currently the floor price is two hundred thirty dollars. You mean it was a good investment? It was a very good investment. Uh -huh. And if you sell it, if you sell it, the Trump Organization gets ten percent. Ten percent. That's the way uh, NFTs profit? often work. Um, the the one of one uh, NFTs, which are only two point four percent of the forty five thousand unit collection, about a thousand cards, they're selling as much as six ETH at the time of writing. Uh, this this one, here's the one that really could cost you a lot of money there. It's $3,667. It was $99 if you got it. There's uh, Mr. Trump <laughs> looking young and fit, uh, and his hair is marvelous, holding the torch from the Statue of Liberty in front of the Statue of Liberty, holding 
the same torch. This would be way funnier if the Statue of Liberty didn't have a torch. <laughs> like he stole it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but hey, if you bought it, you're you're it's three thousand six hundred sixty-seven dollars now. I wonder if somebody's manipulating that though. I wonder if that's really a natural market or somebody's. It is possible it. to manipulate it. Uh, you can buy it and sell it to yourself and get the price mm -hmm. to go up. Uh, perhaps, perhaps. I mean, I, we I we mocked it uh, this week on uh, Twig when yeah. it came out. I thought this I is too. This is just if you apply, if you apply Trump's razor, that is the explanation. Trump's razor is that the when it comes to Donald Trump, the stupidest explanation is the one that's likely to be true. So yeah, somebody's <laughs> was this one with him riding a red, white, and blue elephant? Nah, I wish I got that one. I actually expected by now he was going to tell us all it was a joke, but but because I thought it would be an absolute disaster for him. Even Steve Bannon thought this was dumb. Yeah, uh, he Bannon mocked it. Know. He said it's a terrible, yeah. you know, this is There's a scam. Bannon I ever agreed on anything. But I got to tell you, it, it, it may be a scam. But uh, by the way, here he is signing a tablet in a, with a with a, uh, a, a digital sharpie. It's He's so doing bizarre because that's an Apple pencil. Is this an iPad? I don't. I'm very confused about it. it is a digital sharpie, but it, but these are digital. You don't have a physical uh, NFT. So, but I just have to point out if you were cagey enough to pick up one of these uh, cards, you you're making a, a lot of his fans money. are like, "Where's my card? I thought I was buying a physical card. Where is it? I yeah, can't find it." Didn't. And it, yeah, they probably didn't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I I still think there's something going on. I I just can't believe that there are that many people that that actually would have bought i i want to say stupid but on the other hand maybe they're not so stupid if they've doubled or tripled their money let me sort this by uh price high to low but the other so, question is what what's they going to be worth a month from now well that's you why if you got baby? it sell it wait a minute now some of these are think this is a one of one somebody says current price is 118 quadrillion dollars okay. <laughs> i don't think that's that's definitely suspicious. Uh, that's not actually what it's been trading for. Well, you, can it, you can sell it for any price you want. I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Did make a point. Here's it. Here's it. They, they're Remember quite Beanie attractive. Babies? They were worth a lot for a little while. They're just, the funny thing is that it's the worst Photoshop job I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could have awful. spent some money on just uh, get, I mean, it's the same, they use the same face in all of them. Well, but well, they needed 45,000 of them. They probably didn't. Oh, maybe that's it. They just didn't have much time. Money. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You know, so I, I will no longer mock anybody buying an NFT. <laughs> NFTs, uh, they do have some potentially, you know, good uses longer term. Like there, there's the idea that they could be used for, uh, you know, a number of authentication and cybersecurity uses. Um, so so there, the technology there is, is something that has the opportunity to have some positive impacts yeah. as well. I know I keep getting into these kinds of things, but I think looking at... Um, the larger uh, ecosystem of these things it is interesting. And there's also the one of the more interesting um, thoughts I've seen about NFTs is that if we have this idea that we create value around digital goods and we, we sort of spend more time purchasing or more resources, I should say, purchasing digital goods, because then you sort of have it. Um, and we're creating less or buying fewer um, physical goods, which is sort of having this negative impact on the environment with all the things that are shipped and all of that. But if I own it essentially um, digitally and we have sort of different uh, and a more evolved sense of 
um, digital ownership that you can call it up and look at it. And it's a bit of a one of a kind that there are some potential good uses of that, right? Especially if they are less expensive and over time you're collecting things and creating, um, you know, less. Uh, I'd be you know, more interested in the in the use of the provenance blockchain on physical goods. Like if I had a Hannes Wagner card and you could prove yeah. the provenance, the card st still is the item. These dig although I can't knock it, uh, they sold 45,000 of these at 100 bucks. That's 4.5 million and they get 10% of every secondary sale. This is potentially hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars for sure and the, all the they got is, is they paid some by some kid 17 bucks an hour to make uh crap i mean the reason shows. i wouldn't buy an nft even if it was a piece of art that i really appreciated is because what the unlike thing. even a print i mean you kind of the point you made i mean i if if i had any interest in enjoying one of these donald trump things i just download an image of it and you, you know it. put it on my wall that's all you need yeah i wouldn't own it but i but i get to enjoy it yeah you know uh, well, if there's an ego, there, there are some aspects. Of, I mean, I've got some art that's numbered, and you know, but I, I, frankly, I don't care about it. The, num the fact that I may only one, own I'm one gonna, of 20. I'm going to make a confession. It. Last Christmas, uh, maybe it was two Christmases ago. Remember when Trump got COVID? They made a the White House. Uh, there's a White House gift shop. This is not affiliated, yeah. but it's the right. They made a, a challenge coin with a, a Trump's likeness on it and, you know, conquers COVID on it. And I, and I bought two, I bought one for my father-in-law who's a Trump fan. And I bought one because I thought this is history in some perverse <laughs> weird way. <laughs> and, uh, and now I own it. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but Wait, I also, anything? since you Take all a were picture and make an NFT, I'll make an yeah. NFT. Since you all were good uh, and, and revealed your stake in Bitcoin, not like, you know, it's all having a stock in the company we cover, but I, I somewhere have a wallet with 7.85 Bitcoin in it. Uh, I can't unlock it because I forgot the password. It's well known. Yeah. Um, but if it, some, there are people who say Bitcoin's going to come back. <laughs> it's very much like the same people said, save your Confederate dollars, boys. The South will rise again. But mm -hmm. I, if it goes up to somebody, some analyst said, don't worry, it's going to a quarter of a million dollars per coin. I got my retirement, man. I'm good. Yeah. I'll spend the rest yeah. of, rest of my days trying to find the password. I was saying, you think you'll ever unlock station? I could buy my own radio station. <laughs> All right, let's let's <laughs> let's take. A, by the way, uh, Jason, I don't know if you've noticed. In effect, I have. This is what Twit is. That's all right. It's like a little radio TV station. When I was in starting out in radio, every was every DJ's goal to own a radio right. station. Oh, like you know, mm, right, Larry. Larry right. used to work in radio. Oh yeah, of like, course. Someday I'll own a radio. Station. I, I, without even done attempting it. it, I've done it. Yeah. You have, yeah. you know, I, I don't have anything as significant as Twit, but I remember when I first registered my web, my webpage, Larry, good World, feeling. Back in 19, yeah. I, I said, I'm a publisher. Yeah. Nobody would ever make me a publisher. Now, you know, I don't get millions of readers, but I, you know, there's something nice about owning your own piece of meat. That's what I'm your saying. That's yeah. why everybody should have their own presence on the web yeah. that they control, that they own. Yeah. Uh, that's the best way to assure that your reputation is, is, is owned by you. Exactly. Um, actually, my reaction, I don't know, you all blog. My first reaction was, this is so self-centered. I can't believe I'm, I'm posting on my site an article about me. I thought I was kind of embarrassed by the whole thing. I got over it. That's because you're not yeah. a narcissist. <laughs> I, maybe, right. Right. You're not a narcissist. Doesn't everybody want to read about me? And... If you had gone to Trump University, you would have learned. I should have That's learned right. how to be a narcissist. Yeah. Exactly. 
All right, let's take a break. Uh, I do want to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart. I have been a Audible customer since the year 2000. Audible has been, I think, is our longest-running advertiser of all. Uh, we love Audible. Since even before uh, they were bought by Amazon, We for 15 years we've been talking about audiobooks from Audible. I have in my library more than 500 audiobooks from Audible in every possible arena. Lately, I've been doing a lot of sci-fi, and I thought, you know, I didn't realize this, but apparently... Mr. Musk is heavily influenced by Ian Banks, the Scottish, the late Scottish sci-fi author, and by his culture series. In fact, the barges that those uh, those uh, space uh, boosters land on, you know, that very cool thing, those are all named after uh, things in the novel, you know, uh, Honey, I Love You or whatever it's called. So I've, I've decided to go through the culture series. They're all on Audible. It just comes to life in your brain. And I think your brain is so much better than Hollywood at making the sets, at making the the people. And it's just, you imagine it, your imagination takes off. It's one of the reasons I love audiobooks from audible.com. I want to encourage you, if you've been hearing our ads and you've been holding off, this would be a great time. By the way, a great time to give the gift of Audible as well for the holidays. Um, when it comes to audio entertainment, there's no better place than Audible. It's the home for stories told by the biggest stars in Hollywood, Ethan Hawke, Kerry Washington, Kevin Hart. Audible's home to epic adventures, chilling mysteries, can't-miss comedies. I've done uh, all, almost all of the Agatha Christie audiobooks. I just love them. Let your imagination soar with audiobooks, podcasts, Audible Originals. One of the things Audible does that I really love is they're, is they're doing recordings of classic sci-fi that never got recorded because back in the day, you know, Tor didn't have the budget to, to record those. So Audible's doing it in their own studios. You can get the Dune series done beautifully by Audible. You can get Asimov's Foundation series done beautifully by Audible. Never recorded originally. Audible made them. I love that. Audible is the home of storytelling. All your audio and entertainment in one app. Get the app on your phone. Text TWIT to 500-500 right now. They'll give you a link. You can download it. Uh, and then start listening. As a member of Audible, you also get access to a huge and growing library of included audiobooks. So stuff that Audible just... For instance, I was uh, I was uh, listening to the um, Fletch after I saw the movie with... Uh, uh, John Hamm, Fletch, Confess Fletch. It turned out they were all kind of part of my subscription. I didn't, it was great. They're just part, part of the deal. You can download and stream all the included titles as much as you want. Uh, you get to choose a title a month from their catalog to keep. So that's how I've accumulated 500 plus audiobooks over the last uh, 20, 22 years. Wow. Uh, the latest bestsellers are there, new releases, classics. Also, an incredible selection of audiobooks, every genre, bestsellers, new releases, celebrity memoirs. Audible is a place your imagination can run wild. Listen about the lives of celebrities, journey to your best self, check out the spider web of true crimes, discover new worlds, old worlds, how to make a better world. New members can try it free for 30 days. Let Audible help you discover new ways to laugh, be inspired, or be entertained. I love Audible. I know you will, too. If you're not yet a member, I know most of you are, but if you are not yet a member, join the join the club. Audible.com slash twit. 
Or again, text TWIT to 500-500. Audible.com slash TWIT or text TWIT, T-W-I-T, to 500-500. That'll give you a chance to try Audible for free for 30 days. You get the title, but you also get this huge selection of Audible content available to you. Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash TWIT. I'm a huge fan. And I think we're going on a little vacation uh, after uh, the holidays, and I think uh, I'm going to bring a bunch of audiobooks to listen to. I love those audiobooks. They're so great. Uh, recommendation, Leo? Yeah. That's you. Jason, I, you've been around long enough. You know we like to hear your uh, your Audible uh, recommendations. Yeah. Just I'll just throw a quick one. Um, Atomic Habits. I've been re-listening to this oh, one that's from a James classic. Clear. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, there's one line in there, and, and I think it kind of – connects to some things we've been talking about today that I love, which is we think we, we tend to think that we rise to the level of our goals when the truth is we often fall to the level of our systems. Oh yes. And that, that happens for human beings. That's where the habits part come in, but it also happens for organizations as well. Right. And so uh, I think that that uh, is just a, maybe a little bit of a taste. That's my biggest takeaway from from this book. That's really uh, profound, that though, one. and I think that that's really yeah. true. I know that's true in my life and for our company. It's very easy to settle, and uh, and instead of rising to your your highest hopes and aspirations, I like that. You know, I've never read this. I will. I will. I'm putting it on my list right now. It's going into my wish list. Because I don't awesome. have any credits yet, but I will have a couple on the twenty second. It's funny, you know, you were talking earlier when you're doing that that thing for Zoom. I, I've lost some weight also, and one of the ways I've lost weight, I do a lot of walking. Love and walking, listening yep. to books while I walk yep. is fantastic. I mean, I've it really it almost encouraged me to walk to listen to books. That's right. Same. Apple yeah. has Same. that thing, you know, where you have walk with Dolly Parton or whatever. But it's <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of funny because. I think these people are in a studio and they're putting walking sounds behind them. I don't think they're actually walking, right, but right. they make it out like they're walking. They, sometimes they get a little bit out of breath. It's hysterical. Yeah. These these fitness plus walk walking. I wouldn't have picked Dolly Parton as my walking partner, but that know. was my favorite yeah. one of all yeah. things. Yeah. I, I really Dolly enjoyed Parton. it walking with Dolly, but she only yeah. walked for about twenty minutes, and I had to keep going, and she turned around. So, yeah, that's why it's better to listen to an audio book. It'll take you the whole way. Actually, I'm trying to walk I never, more. I never understand, you know, celebrities and what they endorse. Like, why would you buy a fragrance from a basketball player? Oof. I don't imagine basketball Fresh players sweat. all that good. Right? Fresh sweat. Yeah. Mm. No, I, one of the things uh, I learned from Noom is if you walk after a meal, it brings your blood sugar down. It, you're, there's something about walking that is really not even a long walk or a fast walk, just a stroll. For 20 minutes after or 10 minutes after a meal, it makes a huge difference. It also helps and, your digestion, too. Well, yeah, it's all yeah. your yeah. body sp- expects this, you know. Yeah. And and Leo, um, Helen Putnam Regional Park Love is it. the most beautiful walking space yes. on the planet. Love it. It is paradise. There, there's only one bad thing about it. There's a very steep hill. <laughs> yes, we, we call it the Widowmaker. <laughs> so I'm huffing and puffing. And Lisa's going yeah. up the hill. And I'm going, wait for me. I'm getting it. <laughs> it's pretty steep. But then when yeah. you come back, you go down the hill. So it's okay. Right. It works out. All, even- <laughs> I, like, I hate walking downhills. I, I'm better off walking uphills. Yeah, I'm me too. I'm the I same like way. trudging yeah. up a hill. I agree with you. Yeah. When I lived in San Francisco, in the hills of San Francisco, for some reason... 
women would they take off their heels and walk backwards up the hills. There must have hmm. there must have been some hmm. book somewhere that said it's good for your butt if you walk backwards up the hill. I never did that. I thought well, that doesn't no. look like fun. I'd rather walk forward up the hill. All right. <laughs> that's our fitness segment for the day. <laughs> Thank God that's <laughs> over. Yeah. By the uh, way, while we had our Elon conversation, sorry to bring this back, he posted in the middle of our conversation, coincidence, maybe, um, he posted, should I step down as head of Twitter? I will abide by the results of this poll. And ooh, I'll vote. <laughs> an hour later, it's 58% uh, say yes. And after it got it jumped up to 58%, he posted, be careful what you wish for. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're going to hire He is such a master of attention. He's an attention whore. Yeah, such a an troll. attention whore. He's a the only thing be worth if he hired Kanye to take over. I mean, what could be worse? Well, first of all, I have to presume that because he posted this, he's got somebody, and it's probably Jason Calacanis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or uh, who's the other guy who's in the room? Apparently, there's a small number of people in the room. Uh, one of his investor uh, uh, VC, well, I can't remember his name. He's always tweeting to defend Elon. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he already has a candidate. Besides, he's under a lot of pressure. Oh, gosh. From his right. shareholders and his other companies. He's going to lose his Tesla job. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. So I think there's a, a lot of pressure on him to uh, to maybe step down. Yeah, maybe he's sounding a little bit of contrite. Maybe he didn't expect it. Maybe the booze at the Chappelle concert. Yeah, uh, that was a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, we'll see. But, you know, it's interesting. I think he might have thought, he might have also thought, oh, I don't have to worry about this because all of the bots from the GRU and et cetera were going to vote no. Uh, it's interesting. So I didn't vote. So you, what, you can see the result right now, Jason? Is it? Yeah. Uh, when did the polls close? It says 10 hours left. 10 hours. Yeah. 4.1 million votes. Wow. Yeah. 57.9% say yes. Whoa. Okay. That's very interesting. I, I am so tempted people to click have that spoken. button, but I'm not going <laughs> to. He will, says I will abide by the results of this uh, poll. Well, see? see, Of course, he's a liar. We, we so. said we weren't going to talk about him, and there he said, go. I'll fix Dang that. Yep. I sure am enjoying my robo-taxi that I bought for him. Oh, yeah. Did you pay for? Uh, did you pay the uh, extra five thousand dollars? In my case, it wound up being seven thousand, and I did it as a tech journalist, frankly, since he wasn't going to give me an eval copy, right? Um, to loan me, I, I did it as a tech journalist. I wanted to understand what self driving was all right. about, and so I think I benefited from it professionally. But as a driver, it's it's nonsense. Did I mean, you get FSD? Like, you finally got it. Oh yeah, I got the full well, the full boat. And, and how I, does it I, work for you? Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, it, it works, but you have to watch. Put it this way. Every driver has to be aware of their own potential mistakes and the mistakes of other drivers. Now I have to worry about that plus the mistakes of my car. And if you don't, you know, it can do some very uh, outrageous things like, you know, zip into the wrong lane or make a left turn from the right lane or the right turn from the left lane. It does all sorts of weird stuff. I paid $5,000 when I got my Tesla Model X. Uh, which was six years ago, and he never released it, so it was five thousand dollars out the window. I know there are those who have spent fifteen thousand dollars. Right, uh, everybody has it now. Although this is an article, no, you still from- have to buy it. You still have to buy it. everybody who bought it has access to it. But I think you still have to pay the the fifteen k or whatever it costs. Oh, really? I think so. 
Oh. If not, I got kind yeah. of ripped off. I mean, yeah. since I did buy it. You, still you got buy. really, the thing is you got really ripped off because you leased it. And so you had to return the car and got, got no nothing. value at all from got it. Got nothing. And wow. and by the way, anybody who bought that car would not get right. you the value that I spent for $5,000. Whoever got that car, or if I'd sold it myself, wouldn't get the, it's per and, person, and not here's per the vehicle. other thing that's, it, it, that's you crazy. Actually, it used to stay with the vehicle. It doesn't now, um, yeah, though. Yeah. And here's the other thing. If you buy a new te- – now, at this point, I'm never going to buy a Tesla. But I, I used to want to think – I used to think I was going to buy a new Tesla at some point. If I did, I'd have to reinvest that all over again. I can't take my software no. with me like I can on my computer, right? If I get a new PC, I can take Microsoft Office with me to the new PC, not not full, not any Tesla software. So this that article – appeal. Sorry, go ahead. This article from uh, Electric – Fred Lambert writing says, I think what we would like to know is, and every self-driving vehicle Waymo Cruise releases this information, but Tesla refuses to, is the disengagement release uh, uh, data and the driver intervention data. In other words, how often do drivers have to take over? How often is it? Every time. In my case, (laughs) no, literally almost every time I use it. Within about 15 minutes, maybe I didn't have to take over. Maybe I could have just sat there and I would have survived. But something happens to scare me and, and, and to hit my, put my foot on the brake and to take over. Just because, you know, this, I'm not saying it would have crashed, but it certainly got, got close enough to scare me. The, uh, there is a group of Tesla FSD beta testers who have been self-reporting the data. According to this article, uh, the miles driven per disengagement have gone down by 54% since March. So it's getting smarter. Well, wait a minute, but it currently sits around the same level it was around this time last year. Not good. So it got dumber and then it got smarter. Um, it's it's actually, uh, my, the overall miles per disengagement is actually getting worse. Oh, I'm sorry. Down. Yeah, miles driven down by- is down by 54%. Did so, they say how many miles? Uh, yeah. I don't know what it's, again, it's, it's essentially just saying there are more disengagements per mile, I think, yeah. Yeah. which per mile, which I think is not to, to put this in perspective. And I also, I have a Tesla model Y, um, I did not buy FSD, but I did get the subscription where you pay $200 right. for it. Um, so, uh, to, for the same reason Larry did is to test it as a tech journalist. Um, I, I think this isn't surprising in the sense that more and more people are are using it, right? And so I, mm. I think that that's not surprising. I think oh, right. you, you also have to take into account that, um, you know, Twitter, so Twitter, uh, Tesla is posting. See, there's uh, the problem right there. I know. It's confusing. I know. Yeah. It is confusing. <laughs> um, too many T's. Uh, the, the, you know, Tesla is pushing this out way in front. I, I wouldn't even call it beta. I call it more like yeah. alpha software, yeah, alpha. right? Yeah. Um, that the, They're pushing this out. So more people have access with lots of disclaimers and you also have to pass the, well, for most of the year, you had to pass the test of being, you know, a generally yeah, now safe it's easier. driver. You don't have to be a safe driver. It, it is no. easier now, which is worse. They've let, which makes it worse. Yeah. They've let, um, less and less safe drivers into it throughout the year. And that's my problem because, I, I mean, it's fine with me if you guys want to spend money on it, but I'm the beta tester. I'm the guy walking across the street in front of a Tesla <laughs> or driving my car in a lane in the opposite direction. And I don't know, you know, you're using public highways and the rest of the world as your test. And yes, mm-hmm. of course, it's going to get better. This stuff is a neural network. It's going to learn. Sure. Um, the... Uh, 
it, the the self-reporting metric is a mere 72,000 miles compared to 60 million miles driven total by FSD beta. So it is a small fraction. Um, yeah, that's my only complaint is uh, it's yeah. fine. I just don't want to be the guinea pig. But on the highway, it works great. I mean, I, yeah. I really yeah. love it on the freeway. And I like Same. the fact that it will stop at stoplights and stop signs. And it's pretty good about that. It's pretty reliable. I used, start uh, again with I used their adaptive cruise control right. and lane change capability. And that was, I, I stopped using the lane change. That one, you just, you, you signal lane change and the car would do it. Right. it. It would cut off cars all the time. So I stopped doing that. And I always, you know, with this one, you have to, the old one, you had to keep your hands on the wheel. You still do. You yeah, still do. You yeah. can't take your hands oh, yeah. off the wheel. Well, that's oh, interesting yeah, no, because annoying, both, yeah. both GM and Ford have a hands-free solution. Highways right. only, though. Mapped highways only. Right. Um, right I think yeah. it's easier easier on a highway. Stop signs, red lights, green lights, pedestrians. But Elon succeeded in getting me. I'm, I I don't know when I'm going to buy a new car, but I doubt very much whether it's going to be from him. You know, uh, so. if nothing I, else, you know, it's bad is, for your reputation. <laughs> I'm thinking about putting that bumper sticker. You know, I bought Although, it before I knew. Uh, Alyssa uh, Milano uh, tweeted. I remember this. She tweeted, "I'm getting rid of my Tesla and buying a VW." <laughs> to which, <laughs> to which somebody said, "You mean you're going to buy a car literally designed by Nazis?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm, right. VW mm. is no longer a Nazi owned. I which I think right. it's safe to say, but. No, I think yeah. it's the opposite. The, the, the VWs designed the not the Nazis designed the VW, but they no longer work there. When Elon designed the Tesla, I'm not sure he was a Nazi yet. But no, yeah, but now, yeah, yeah. and he's not truly a Nazi. He just, I think the, I don't know what the he thing is. To keep in mind with Tesla too is Elon lost interest in Tesla over two years ago, right? Like yeah. once they got the Model Three, and that was. Elon, Elon is good at some things. Let's be honest. Like he loves trying to put a lot of energy into big problems right. and he's very good at that. Um, but when he lost interest in Tesla after they got the model three delivered and since then it's really become an opera they need to operation operationalize, excuse me. This is kind of the level of the systems thing, right? They need to build systems that make cars, um, for less money that put them in, you know, uh, local areas. That's why they built the, um, the plant in Shanghai, the the plant in Berlin, they need to do all the things to become a great car company. That's what they're working on now. And that's not a big problem that Elon needs to solve. So really other people have been running Tesla for the past two to three years. And Elon has barely been involved, right? He, he um, pulled back from the earnings calls. It was clear on the earnings calls at times, this, the CFO would kind of interrupt him and say, well, actually here's sort of, you know, he would do it in the most polite yeah. um, politic way possible. But it was clear that Elon barely had been briefed on what Tesla was doing when you listen to him on earnings calls to be able to speak to it. And then other people picked up and really has done have been doing the real work for, for years over at Tesla. And frankly, they've done some magnificent work. I, I, I mean, I don't really I'm not really a car person. I've had the car for two years. It's the best car I've ever owned by far. Yeah, um, too. and, and I really looked at, um, I, I, it was really hard decision for me cause I'd owned a Ford for like 20 years and loved Ford. And I had to choose between the Mach-E and the Tesla model Y and then the VW, um, th their, uh, you know, um, now I'm forgetting the name of it yeah. all of a sudden the, um, th and it took me about six months to kind of decide. And, um, and now I, I would not, um, I don't regret it at all. Like it was by far the, one of the better decisions that I, I've when I was, made for that. When I bought mine, it's been, it'll be four, actually it's been four years. 
the decision was literally, I was debating between that and I, I can't remember what else. Some, I think a Honda had, had a pretty interesting car at that point. And I saw a newspaper article, which told me what I already knew, which is that Tesla has software updates. And I thought to myself, I have never owned a car that isn't worse than it was the day I bought it. And the idea that my Tesla and your Tesla are better than they were when we bought yeah, them. Yeah, that's cool. In my case, four years ago, is kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. Now that, that's probably going to be true with all modern cars, I assume. I think because of over-the-air updates that almost yeah. all modern cars yeah. uh, use, yeah. that's probably true. But um, Tesla were the first to make that happen. Absolutely. I, agree. I mean, I have a 2016 Prius, which still has the same GPS coordinates right. that it had when I bought it, probably designed in 2014. Uh, you know, I, I loved my uh, Model X. My wife did not. Um, uh, I like my Ford Mach-E, which is electric and has many of the same features. It's kind of like a Ford. Do they update it pretty Model often? X. Yeah, it gets over-the-air updates every few yeah. weeks. Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said for it. By the way, the name of the guy I was trying to remember is David Sachs, who is a vice oh, uh, a yeah. VC at Kraft Ventures. He's one of the so-called guys in the room with Jason Calacanis. Um, and, uh, uh, ba uh oh, I can't remember the other name, Chamath, uh, Palaptaya, these various people who are kind of advisors, uh, one of them will al almost certainly become the CEO. Are any of them adult supervision? No, they're the worst. Uh, just read David Sachs tweets. Uh, he's the worst. I think he's egging Elon on, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, at least Zuckerberg had Sheryl Sandberg for a while. I mean, yeah, somebody yeah. there. My my guess is one of those guys will become CEO of Twitter. And, of course, they're pawns of Elon in the long run, so it doesn't really much matter. He gets to do what he wants no matter what. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. I want to take one more break, and then I have like 40 stories, but they're all short that we haven't rapid gotten fire. to. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just do the rapid fire drill in just a bit with a wonderful panel, Jason Heiner. Uh, founder of the Tech Republic. He's now editor-in-chief of ZDNet. Just proof positive nice guys finish first. Sometimes. Congre yeah, sometimes. Very rarely. But uh, <laughs> are you, a, are you, a, are you a, a football, a soccer fan, Jason? You feel like you are. Uh, I'm not. Maybe it's because of the know, hat. It's, it's the hat. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It is sort of European looking yeah. hat. You, no, you look like a hooligan, a soccer hooligan. I just thought... <laughs> I played baseball and basketball oh, okay. growing up and, and runner, you know, be careful. So. He might beat you up if you uh, <laughs> accuse him of being a soccer hooligan. It was a, it was a, <laughs> it was of course a very exciting I won't no spoilers world fine world cup final this morning. Mm -hmm. um, well, at least the people who were fans tell me it was exciting. Uh, I'm not, wasn't that <laughs> to me. It was like, it's a bunch of guys running around in their shorts and eventually <laughs> something happened. But uh, you know, it, I feel like uh, I like gridiron, American football. We had two more, more exciting games yesterday yeah. in American football than we had in the World Cup final this morning. I don't know. So that's just my thought. Anyway, yeah, more happened. Yeah. Were, you, were, were they all like all jumping up and down in Oaxaca? Were they shouting, go, 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 go. Anything no. like that? No, nothing. <laughs> no. Okay. I was thinking I should have watched it on Univision instead of on Fox. It might have been yeah. more, might have been more exciting, even if I couldn't understand what they were saying. I mean, the French must have been going crazy right up till the end. I mean, it's I've I've seen big soccer matches while in uh, in in France, and and you can hear it across the town, all the screaming. Oh, and I'm yelling. sure. I mean, yeah. it couldn't have been a better final between Argentina and France, two major yeah. soccer powers and fans. And I mean, it was very exciting watching Messi and Mbappe, yeah. and that was. Whenever I'm in Europe, I worry about what color shirt I'm wearing. Yes. The fear that somehow it's going to offend the local fans. Are you in the Crips of the Bloods? That's what yeah, they I know. know. Yeah. 
It's dangerous. Anyway, I thought I'd mention that. Uh, apparently, no soccer fans here, so it's okay. <laughs> I just was going to give you some time to talk and and, and jump up and down. I my I, I have too short an attention span. It's, for yeah, soccer. I mean, I can't watch baseball anymore. Frankly, exactly same thing. I yeah. need ex- I need excitement every three seconds. It's not right. going to happen. I need TikTok has ruined it all for us. TikTok has ruined us for soccer. Our show today brought to you by Worldwide Technology. And Intel, worldwide technology, we talk about a lot. WWT is at the forefront of innovation, working with clients all over the world to transform their businesses. One of the reasons businesses love WWT is because, yes, they're technologists. Yes, they understand this stuff, but they also understand business. And they are, they are very serious about business strategy. And they know that no technology makes any sense unless it fits your business strategy, Right. They, at the heart of WWT is this amazing advanced technology center. That's what Lisa and I went out to visit in uh, March of 2020. Uh, the last trip we took when, before COVID struck. We saw the ATC and it is a mind-boggling. It started in one small building with just a few racks. Now it's several buildings, mile after mile of racks, more than half a billion dollars in the top-of-the-line OEM equipment, the kind of equipment you're going to be using and that's how WWT uses it. It's a research and testing lab so that their engineers can spin up proofs of concept, can understand the technology, can can get a better handle on it. The ATC is also for you, more than 50,000 members of the ATC platform, which is free, get access to hundreds of on-demand, schedulable labs that you can do anywhere in the world, any time of the day or night. Featuring solutions that include technologies like Intel Xeon Scalable Processors and Intel Optane Persistent Memory, Optane SSDs, and others. They're, it's in the rack. You can try it. They represent the newest advances in every area of enterprise technology. Multi-cloud architectures, their security, networking, primary and secondary storage, data analytics and AI, DevOps, and so much more. I'll never forget, I mean, when we're talking about security, there was a whole series of racks that were isolated. They were off in a cage. They were air-gapped from the rest of them. I said, what's over there? They said, that's where we do antivirus testing and virus testing. That's where we keep some of the most, the biggest threats to enterprise because we've got to understand them so we can protect you against them. That's that's commitment. That's awesome. WWT's engineers and partners like you use the ATC to quickly spin up proofs of concept and pilots so that customers can confidently select the best solutions. And that means evaluation time can be cut from months to weeks. It means there's no mystery. You're not going in with your eyes closed. You know, eyes wide open exactly what these technologies are going to do. With the ATC, you can test out products and solutions just like the engineers at WWT. You can access technical articles. You can access expert insights, demonstration videos, white papers, those hands-on labs and all the tools you need to help you stay up to date with the latest technology. You should also check out the ATC community, WWT events and communities. We did an event there when we were out there. Great ways to learn from the smartest people in the business about technology trends, hear about the latest research and insights uh, from the uh, from the experts at WWT and from outside experts they bring in. It's not just a physical lab space. It's a virtual space. Everybody anywhere in the world could participate in 365 days a year. So whatever your business need, I want to I want to remind you WWT is there to scale deliver scalable tried and tested tailored solutions. WWT, they bring strategy and execution together 
to make that new world happen. To learn more about WWT, the ATC, to gain access to all their free resources, visit WWT.com slash twit. Create that account. It's free on the ATC platform and dig in. You're going to love it. WWT.com slash twit. We thank them so much for supporting this week in tech. This week was a great week on twit and we have a little video that we've made to show you all the highlights watch between Ant and stacy i'm getting a lot of shade here i gotta tell you i like you i like thank you man. Hey, no you can no stay. shade sir no shade sir there, it's not it's sexy. not shade it's it's obvious <laughs> this is the 49th shade of gray on the scale. <laughs> yeah. There's no side eye with Stacy. It's just straight it's on the 50 glare. Shades of Stacy. I like it. Previously on Twit. All about Android. So iQoo is a subsidiary of Chinese manufacturer Vivo, and they also have announced new flagship devices, the iQoo 11 and 11 Pro. You've got a Vapor chamber liquid cooling system. You got liquid cooling, like in a phone. Hands-on photography. I got my hands on a nice new camera from the folks at Canon. It's the Canon R7. This is one of their latest mirrorless bodies. This Week in Google. We were joined by the first engineer to be fired by Elon Musk at Twitter, Manu Cornet. This one was actually 100% stolen from something Stacy said in one episode. So that's Stacy saying, you break it, you buy it. Twit. I have inspired art, y'all. Art, you <laughs> are. so exciting. Thanks, Manu. This is awesome. <laughs> Manu Cornet was great. He, he, his claim to fame, he was the first engineer to be fired at Twitter. Shortly after, he was actually thrilled when Elon showed up with the sink. He said, oh, this is a guy with a sense of humor. He's a cartoonist. Of course, he likes all that stuff. Uh, he said he, his uh, thrill changed to dismay when uh, he even gave Elon uh, one of those cartoons. It's pretty cool. Pretty it's a shame cool. it happened during the tech downturn that, that there aren't a gazillion jobs for all these people. Because if this had happened a couple of years ago, they would, all would have been rehired right away, hired right away by well, somebody Well, I suspect they many still of them will. will. Yeah, well, I hopefully. Yeah. It is, uh, it, this right now, there's such a shortage of engineers that uh, I feel like they will. You're right, though. I mean, it's not the, it's not the four or 5,000 people from Twitter. It's the 11,000 from Facebook. And, exactly, yeah. Yeah. You know, Leo, can we take one second for reflection? I, I thought this was really interesting that um, – you know, you're, if I remember right, Twit started spring of 2005. And one of the first big things was WWDC uh, yep, yep. In, in that year. And at that WWDC in, in June, I think it was, uh, they announced the Intel transition. Um, the, that was like the big news, right? Was the Intel transition. For Apple. And yeah. For Apple. And now we've come full circle. Who could have imagined that the, you know, this many years later, now Intel is actually advertising on Twit. Like that's <laughs> that's 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 pretty cool. I have that's to say, uh, the best thing about this beat, and I'm sure you all agree, is that uh, it's never boring. Oh, no. You know, uh, if you're yeah. covering politics, it's kind of the same story over and over. If you're covering, you know, local <laughs> politics, is worse. Uh, but technology, it's kind of this best. Best. Nobody dies. Nobody bleeds. So you don't have to go to a helicopter crash and 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 call the family and ask for mm. their reaction, which is the worst thing in local news. Mm. But yeah, so it's not. That, but it, at the same time, it is important. It's changing the world. Yeah. It's it's, you know, it's shaping our world. Yeah. 
So but, it's great. It's like the toy store, but it's still important. It's not like sports. We cover meta it's metaphorical train wrecks, yeah. not actual ones. <laughs> yes, when I got exactly. the LA Times gig in 1983, I called up a friend of mine and said, oh, good news and bad news. What's the good news? Good news is I'm now writing for the second biggest paper in America. That's the bad news. Oh, I've got to write about computers. And at the time, <laughs> I really felt like, you know, I was a second-class journalist oh. because I wasn't writing. A, and now everybody wants to be on the That's tech right. Team. Mossberg, yeah. you know, came around from the State Department. That's, That's what right. made me feel it's good. When Walt beat. Mossberg went from yeah. State Department to tech, I said, oh. You know, maybe I maybe I got somewhere. You know, I might be onto something here. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, big stories, quick ones. Uh, we'll get through these fast. Uh, Apple has apparently, according to uh, Puck News, backed out of the negotiations for the NFL Sunday ticket. You remember that this was given up by Directv. They own it right now, billion and a half a year, uh, according to Dylan Byers, writing in Puck. Um, which I pay for, but I'm currently not logged into, so I can't show you the article. Uh, uh, Apple has pulled out, but Amazon and Google still in the bidding. This is the the NFL Sunday ticket is the right to show all the games on a Sunday. DirecTV mm -hmm. used it to build subscription, uh, new subscribers. Bars especially wanted this, access to this, so they could show all the games. But it's very expensive, billion and a half a year. DirecTV never made any money on lost money on it. But a company like Apple, Google, Amazon, it's not their business. It's a way of adding to their annual revenue per user, their ARPU. So they can build, build a lot more than the networks or a satellite company could uh, ever build. So watch now. We'll see if Google or uh, Amazon uh, get it. Google would put it on their YouTube TV um, Amazon would put it on Amazon Prime, presumably where Thursday Night Football already lives. According to it's buyers, to one of the it's problems was that uh, the NF, the Apple wanted to give it away. Mm. They wanted Apple TV Plus subscribers to get it for free. And the NFL says, over our dead bodies, you're not giving away the crown jewel. Uh, all right, fine. Uh, virtual pi reality pioneer John Carmack has had it with Meta and has quit. He's joined Meta as chief technology officer of Oculus when they acquired Oculus. Uh, he quit in a huff, or at least a, mi a minute and a huff. Uh, he, old uh, Groucho Marx joke. Um, he said Meta, which is in the midst of transitioning from a social networking company to one focused on the immersive world of the metaverse, was operating at, quote, half the effectiveness and has, quote, a ridiculous amount of people and resources, but we constantly self-sabotage and squander effort. He he wrote in the post, uh, which, by the way, he says the Times is, is missing the context, and so he's posted the entire post publicly now. But he wrote, it's been a struggle for me. I have a voice at the highest levels here, so it feels like I should be able to move things, but I'm evidently not persuasive enough. And and uh, for the record, he's uh, wasn't an employee. He was a consultant. Uh, I'm pretty sure. And so, um, you know, I think I think it's a combination of him changing, you know, his own personal career, and also uh, nobody nobody's happy with the whole metaverse direction of Facebook. It seems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nobody. I think that's probably we were talking about. Uh, my wife and I are talking about why Sheryl Sandberg left. And I said, well, ostensibly it's because she was getting married and had a new family and she wanted to spend more time with her money. But I think it must have also something to do with this new direction, which is really being 
promoted by Mark, but maybe not as well supported by the rest of the company. Yeah, he was an executive consultant for virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a weird thing because I mean the the, the metaverse uh, nomenclature is, I mean it was always a dystopian concept. He he turned it into the name of the branding of the company Meta and and has been talking nonstop about it. But we're talking about virtual reality and augmented reality and things like that. All of that was always going to be inevitable. And Facebook, the the biggest problem is just Facebook is not very good at it. So. They can talk all they want. They can they can squander billions, but at the end of the day, they're just not very good at doing what Mark Zuckerberg calls the metaverse. Yeah. It depends on whether they. It depends on what you look at. I mean, it's it's not clear to me whether whether Meta is a application developer or a platform. Um, so, and they're really both, right? So Horizon Worlds, for example, doesn't isn't doing very well, but VR Chat and other there are products on the on the quest platform that do reasonably well i mean are actually very well done so it, it may turn out that as a platform they actually aren't that bad uh but they've got some problems with the with their own apps i have to admit and, and again full disclosure i actually wrote some of their safety guides so we work with them as well um get a great safety team i'll tell you i'll say that much about them uh but but i think as a platform i i i think it's too early to judge yeah, and of course they 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 may acquire or somehow make you know, Horizon Worlds may get better. Let's hope it does. His uh, final go. words in his post: Enough complaining. I'm wearied of the fight and have my own startup to run, but the fight is still winnable. VR can bring value to most of the people in the world, and no company is better positioned to do it than Meta. Maybe it is actually possible to get there by just plowing ahead with current practices, but there's plenty of room for improvement. Make better decisions and fill your products with give a damn. So, Notice he said VR, right? Yeah. So, you know, the problem yeah. is that AR is going to be va- vastly bigger than VR and Apple is going to completely cr- uh, own that market, I think. Yeah. VR. I mean, AR. AR is going to be huge. Yeah. It, it makes a lot more sense. And, yeah. and of course, Meta is going to go there, too. The question is whether they go there fast enough. In a way, they have. I have the yeah. Oculus yes. Pro the, or the Quest Pro yeah, that I they just too. made, yeah. the $1,600 one. Yeah call me crazy uh but because it has good color cameras in the front you can you know you can see stuff in fact they have some good games that the, are you know the, ar games involving it's the a shame world. that the, i have the quest pro 2 and it is eons better than the than the quest 2 and it's a shame that the only way to get the really really good one is to have to pay 1500 dollars. well maybe it's just that expensive you know, to make i mean they, yeah no hopefully it'll come down i think right. it will but apple yeah. it's rumored when they do release uh, their augmented reality headset and the rumor is they'll do it next year, late mm-hmm. in the year, uh, but, but that it'll cost around three thousand dollars. It's not going to be cheap. Yeah, that's non-starter. Uh, well, it's a developer yeah. tool at that point, right? Nobody. Yeah. It is, and, and so it, is Holland. So are so is yeah, Google. Yeah, yeah. They all are yeah. really. Yeah. You know. Um, let's see what else here. Um, Instagram, which has long had a problem with hacked accounts but never admitted it, I think, has finally launched a new tool to help hacked users mm-hmm. regain account access. So, okay, you go to Instagram.com slash hacked. Um, this happens a lot, mm-hmm. uh, far too often. And maybe it's the fault of the users who aren't turning on two-factor or whatever. But, I'm, I'm, you know, this is the problem with these giant free services. They don't, ha- you know, because they make no money on you, they don't really have the incentive to give you any support at all. 
So when your Google account is hacked or your Facebook account is hacked or your Insta account is hacked, good luck. You know, you're, you're dealing with a giant robot bureaucracy. So uh, I'm gl- I hope that this makes a difference. Uh, great. I hear from a lot of people who get hacked. Um, Net- Netflix is giving money back to advertisers. Uh, remember, they launched an ad-supported tier. Well, uh, so they have a lower cost to people. Well, apparently it's not taken off like crazy. Uh, Netflix has only delivered roughly 80% of the expected audience, according uh, to some agencies, five agency executives talking to Digiday. Um, and so they're giving some of that money back. That's the normal practice. We do it, too, in, in media. If you don't reach the numbers, you have to give the money back. Um, I don't know if it's a long-term problem with an ad-supported version of Netflix. It's still pretty new. Uh, I I pay the ridiculous, what is it, $15 a month now? It's, yeah. it's outrageous. I just can't. Yeah. I mean, I, I have ads, I have, you know, ad free versions of just about everything I get because I've just gotten conditioned to not have to watch ads. And on television, on broadcast television, I could skip the ads. I know ads that support you, Leo. I understand that. But, you know, on broadcast, I've got a, I've got a DVR. You can skip, skip the ads on our show, Larry. It's okay. Oh, no, I love your ads. I actually, allow you. <laughs> it's called Club Twit. relatively interesting to listen to. So. <laughs> it's called Club Twit, Larry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what, honestly, that's why we started Club Twit, because sure. uh, I thought there are people who don't want to hear ads, and so I want to give them a chance um, to, to hear our shows without ads, And but we need to monetize somehow. Right. Club Twit's done pretty well, I think. Well, that's exactly what Netflix, I mean, that's exactly what a lot I of... I guess it is, the ad-free yeah. version. Yeah, only they went the other Except way, right? They started with the ad-free version, we're starting, yeah. we started with the ad version. Yeah. Maybe it's a little easier to get people to pay for something first. It's said to be very difficult to get people to pay for something they're getting for free. I would mm-hmm. say, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but it's something like 2% or less of our audience pays for it. I'd love to get that to a, f- a higher number. Frankly, they used, say, they used to say nobody ever pay for television or water. Right. And we they do both. We, we do, do both. both. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So maybe yep. that's good. That's encouraging. <laughs> If we could get to 5%, we wouldn't need advertisers. That's all it would take, 5% of the people who listen to pay for it. I'm sure it's going up all the time, though. It is. It's a Probably cons- never stops consistent going up. build. And what I do is I make people feel really guilty. And <laughs> it just, works. I've decided if it works for public broadcasting, I, I ought to do a pledge nights and, you know, have a phone bank of operators or taking your call. All you got to do is go to Club Twit. <laughs> Uh, twit.tv slash club twit i'm terrible at this seven dollars <laughs> it's a buck less than a blue check on on twitter and you get <laughs> ad free versions for all of our shows you get the discord which is actually a wonderful place to hang out uh i know i know some of you are in there and it's, it's i see you once i pay you eight dollars will you give me a will you give me a check mark at least i will give you anything you want in fact if you yeah. want i'll get uh, all three of you it's a standing offer to any of our contributors to have a free access to the discord which is a great place great great place to talk and we do advertise yeah if you want to pay for it a couple jeff pays for it i think a couple people pay for it i do too yeah thank you i appreciate it um it really does help us out and we have some shows that we don't put out in public like hands on windows and hands on macintosh and the untitled linux show that it's club only we've got some actually space space no that's that's a good example of a show this week in space that started in the club that's Once right. We can sell been, advertising. Uh, we put it out in public, and now it's doing so well. We're going to do, give them video. So we it's like a farm program. Yeah, we've decided oh, it's better to nice. start that way, start small and work its way yeah. up, then launch it, and then have to cancel it because it's too expensive 
to do because I don't awesome. have venture capital. I have to. <laughs> I don't have anybody putting money in the pocket, so we got to figure. You that actually out. have reality to deal with. Here, I, it's like good. You know, I I have friends at Revision Three, and they got I don't know not a small amount of money, like seven million dollars in VC, yeah. and they spent it very yep. quickly. And I'm just I've always felt grateful that I didn't have that because it's hard to know what if you got seven yeah. million burning a hole in your pocket, you don't know what you need right now. I'd much rather bootstrap it. So that's what you don't we have do. forty four billion dollars to buy a social media no, company. I wish. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. I wish it costs about three and a half million dollars a year to run Twit with staff, yeah. electricity, oh. rent, all of that stuff. So that's uh, amazing. We only amazing. Lisa and I only take a salary if we make more than three and a half million a year. And frankly, this year, it's, I think it's rated at 3.4 million. It's a little bit low. That's why we'll, we're pushing the We'll do a GoFundMe page for you later. Just, we need the club. That's all. Coming up uh, Thursday, January 12th, Project Hail Mary in the book club with Stacy. There's going to be an inside twit. Lisa and I will talk about those numbers and more with our club members on January 19th. Uh, Win2 Dow is doing a fireside chat on the 9th. We just had one with Glenn Fleischman, which went really, really well. Uh, and I think we're going to try to get Manu in there and a few other people to join us in our uh, club events. So this is, we're trying to make it more of a fun place to hang out. Thanks to Aunt Pruitt, our community manager. So we're just, we're doing what we can. We're doing what we can. And uh, and I want Netflix to succeed. I absolutely, uh, absolutely do. And I, I mean, I don't mind paying fifteen ninety nine a month. They have good stuff. What did I just watch? Oh, Bullet Train is free on it. I would have paid more renting it on Apple, if I had known, so uh, it's a good thing I I saw it on. Netflix. Have you ever paid for a movie and then found out you could have streamed it every for free? time? I, I it's completely <laughs> chance that I saw that was on Netflix. I was about to buy it. Yeah, every time. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. I think, I think we're done. I think I I think there's other things, but I think we've talked about everything. Well, I have something to say if I can. I have oh, you've got some you've got some stuff I'm, to I'm, give away. I'm giving away money. So you know, as you know, I I, I see, you know, connect safely, and we are the official U.S. host of Safer Internet Day. And maybe I'll come back in February and talk about. Please that. do. You, you have a, an invitation to but, do that. But normally, what we would do back before the pandemic, we'd have these really big events where we'd spend tens of thousands of dollars, and we bring in people like Kamala Harris and Sheryl Sandberg, and you know, 100, 300 kids from a community would all come in. Well, we're not doing that this year. Instead, we're giving out $1,000 grants to teachers around the country to educate. Nice. They nice. can put on a local event, and we will give them everything they need. PowerPoints, videos, lesson plans, discussion points, everything I they need that to deliver the event. And a 1000 bucks to incentivize them or print material or buy pizza or whatever they need. All they need to go is go to connectsafely.org, and on the front page, you'll see a blog post. You click on that. It takes you to an application. Ten minutes on Google. Now we're not going. We're not going to give everybody. It's it's a competitive program, but uh, there are still some slots open there. So if people want to apply, uh, we'd be happy to look at your application. And we're really trying to get a diverse group. I mean, from around the country, we're hoping to get maybe some tribal schools to sign up. Uh, we really want to get a lot of schools around the country doing these programs. And we've raised some money to be able to, to to subsidize it. I like that. I think that's a great way to use that money is to go directly to the the schools and help them do uh, that education. And the money comes from all those companies we've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, I see know, it Meta, right here at the bottom. You've got yeah. Meta, Google, Amazon Kids, Twitch, TikTok, Snapchat, Discord. Thank you, Discord. Roblox, Trend Micro, uh, the NCTA, the Internet uh, and Television Association, Meet Group, and Zepetto. So, Depetto, which is a Korean company. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wonderful. Cool. You know what? They should put money into that. They That's do. fantastic. 
ConnectSafely.org. Larry is the president and CEO and does a great job there. Um, spending, I think, more time there now now that uh, you don't do as much radio and stuff. That's right. I think that's fantastic. Well, we actually do have two. We have the Connect Safely report on CBS News Radio. So we still have a, oh, good. Still have a radio show. Yeah. It's not, not as much. Do you host to. that? I do. It's one minute long. So Perfect length. Easy. If Never I could like do a one-minute show, I would. Never <laughs> yeah. have. <laughs> thank the you for the work. We call it. Yeah, thank My you pleasure. for the work you, you do, Larry. I really, uh, yeah. I think it's important. It's great. Yeah. Thank you. Agreed. Mike Elgin, the wind has been kicking up in Oaxaca. The sun has gone down. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful night. What are you going to do with the rest of your evening? I have no idea. We're actually flying back to California tomorrow, not oh. to dox myself, but uh, <laughs> what's but, the tail like, number? The tail number? Plane? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be getting my tail number back to California tomorrow. No, but it's yeah, we're gonna probably go out and just uh, do Oaxaca. It's a nonstop party, as you know, Good in this to town. It's just such yeah, a cool place. Went to it. went to a big uh, big event last night that was really fantastic, and we just finished the Oaxaca experience uh, a few days ago, so that was really, really fun. Gastronomad.net. I, uh, yep. I've done the Oaxaca experience, and I will never have a better time eating better food than hanging yeah. out with Mike and Amira. Uh, you probably sold out on some of these. What, what's the next uh, opening you've got here? Well, let's see. Uh, Mexico City sold out in April, and then uh, I think Provence is the first one uh, in in June, late June. Uh, that one still, I believe, has a few rooms available if you want to sign up, and I highly recommend that one. Oh boy! Uh, and then Prosecco after that, and it's just it's just become. I mean, it's it's really really pos- popular nowadays. We we have people repeating not only doing multiple events but now people are repeating the same event they already did so we had some people on this one that did oaxaca last year uh it's and, so funny um, i know i know every one of these people it's hysterical yeah uh, yeah you get a lot of repeats but uh they're yep. great people that you want to hang out with a lot of them twit listeners uh yeah oh, so much fun <clears throat> so much fun and it's a small um, group and- yeah, it's a pretty small group. Uh, the, uh, this this uh, Oaxaca experience was 14 people, which is the biggest nice. one we've ever done. But normally nice. they range from, you know, 6 to 10 or something like that. And uh, it's, a, it's a really nice, tight-knit group. And and I thank you for letting me talk about it, Leo. But can I tell you one other exciting piece of news yes. over in Chatterbox territory? Oh, yes. Which Ke- Kevin's innovating like crazy over there, and he's doing this thing. At, you know, you can check it out at Oh, wait a minute. He's doing com. AI art with Chatterbox? Yes. Rolling out in the first quarter, even though he's essentially uh, built it already. But basically, the, the kids will build the skill and the skill builder, and then they do it with voice. So they tap the button and they give the text prompts oh, by voice. Cool. And then the pictures, the pictures show up in the skill builder. Oh, it's so M-G. cool. Gee, oh, that's one way to engage kids. Holy cow, they're gonna have so much yeah. fun. And he's making it safe, so they can't do oh, objectionable good. content or yeah, anything yeah. like that. He's right. got a really good engine for doing that already. And so this is a way for kids, because whole, the ultimate purpose of Chatterbox is to teach AI literacy, which is very, very important. And this is this is what's happening in AI right now is uh, AI art. So it's really cool stuff. Have him reach out to me, because we love to promote, you know, especially smaller companies. In, in, yeah. Oh, this is a good one for yeah, you, We Larry. won't hit him up for money. We, we just like to promote him. No, yeah. this is a really yeah. good one for you. HelloChatterbox.com. Yeah. yeah. I wish that op- the chat GPT could be, you know, yeah. but mm-hmm. that is a great tool. It's so much smarter than Echo or Amazon uh, Echo yeah. or 
Google Voice are hell of a lot smarter than Siri. Well, yeah. I know it's expensive to run, but boy, it'd be really cool if you could. I think it's just a matter of time yeah. before the voice assistants start being as smart as ChatGPT. Right. The big, the big thing ChatGPT lacks is real time information. Yes, it's and old. so everything yeah. everything is already in the database, and and so people might think that Chatterbox, for example, is a uh, you know kind of a a, a much lesser version of uh, and has less capabilities than Alexa or whatever. But it doesn't. You can, kids can build skills and get the web there to get all this real-time information using APIs and teaches them how APIs work, which is really important. Uh, and you can you can actually do more things with Chatterbox theoretically than you can with uh, Siri or I Google Voice that. or any of these. Yeah. yeah, it uses its own Chatterblocks language, which is a customized version of Google Blockly. Yep, yep. Really, really, really neat stuff. Yeah, yep. Uh, I love it. Man, I, you yeah. know, sometimes I think if I retire, I should, I should become a school teacher because there's so many great things now yeah. you can do with your kids. It's called working. That's not oh, like working. Yeah, it's called working. Job. That's not working. Uh, yeah. You teach every day what you're oh, doing. Yeah. What am I saying? Yeah. I guess and I, Kevin I guess is looking for, I'm sorry, but Kevin is looking for beta testers who are teachers. Nice. Uh, and so if you're a teacher, uh, reach out. Hello, chatterbox.com. He'd love to hear from you. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's really yeah. great. Uh, Jason Heiner, Editor-in-Chief, ZDNet. You got a big job, but you're doing a great one. I think ZDNet has gotten better over yeah, the thank years. You so thank you for, for doing such an excellent job there. Um, thank you. What do you. Anything you want to plug? So I will plug something for the audience. Uh, one of the things that we've, di we've done over the last few days at the end of last week was, um, you know, there's this uh, myth that the biggest shopping of the day of the year is – um is black friday but it's actually the saturday before christmas oh, really? several of the, the Last days minute. leading up to it yeah yeah because saturday's so, christmas eve so that's when i shop christmas eve yes usually around 8 p.m christmas eve Right. <laughs> so we did last best lat. You had it up on the screen. Best last minute tech gifts. I need these. Um, there. So we had all of our editors on. We did a live stream and uh, we had them come on and talk oh, about cool. our our picks. So our team's been scouring the best deals for the past month. And uh, and also lining that up with some of the products that were our favorite ones that we got our hands on this year. So not all of these are ones we got our hands on, but most of them are ones that we tested. So we found the best deals on our favorite products of the year and put this list together of like, nice. here's some really good options for you if you're looking for those last minute um, yeah, gifts for for somebody to find, get them some useful stuff that's going to really be good and that they're going to be happy with. There's only six shopping days left, kids. ZDNet.com. It's right there on the front page. And uh, yes, thank you so much, Jason, Mike, Larry. I consider you three of my mm. best friends, my best buddies, and it's a great way to end our year. Uh, with thank this, you, Leo. With this show. What a thank pleasure. You for being it was here. a lot of fun today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's always it good conversation fun. when you get smart people yeah. on talking about Elon Musk. What can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Let's we, not do that too much next no, year. No, no, no. I don't want to do any more. I'm done. I'm so done. Uh, uh, if only, if only. Um, we do Twit, of course, on Sundays. Now, I got to tell you, uh, normally we do a Sunday, 2 to 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern, or rather Pacific time, 5 to uh, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. Uh, that's 2200 UTC. Next week is Christmas. We're not going to make anybody do a show with us on Christmas. We've already recorded our Christmas episode. A lot of fun with the old, the old coots, Doc Searles, Steve Gibson, 
Paul Thorat, Jeff Jarvis, and I get together and kind of yell at the clouds, talk about the year uh, in uh, in history, and then uh, the following week is a best of some of the best clips uh, from the year 2022. We will though be back January 8th for our first uh, return to the live uh, format. So I hope you will come back uh, then, two to five p.m. Eastern. I mean uh, Pacific uh, here. Uh, on Sundays. You can watch live at live.twit.tv. There's a live video stream. There's also a live audio stream there. Chat with us live at irc.twit.tv. And I imagine the IRC is not going to go away during the holidays. So if you get a little lonely, go on into the IRC or if you're a member of Club Twit, the Discord. I'll be hanging out in both uh, from time to time, waving hello and so forth. You can, you can, uh, don't, don't feel alone. There's geeks Ready and willing to talk to you in the chats. Uh, join us. Uh, we also, of course, have uh, all of our shows available after the fact on the website, twit.tv. There's a YouTube channel for This Week in Tech and many of our other shows. Uh, best thing to do is subscribe in your favorite podcast player. You'll get it automatically the minute it's available. Uh, so I guess uh, I will be here this week. We're going to have our usual shows. We don't go into uh, best of mode until after Twit next Sunday, and then we'll be in best of mode all that week. Um, so I will see you on Tuesday. I'll be back Tuesday with MacBreak Weekly. Um, and, of course, in, in three weeks for This Week in Tech. Thanks, everybody. If I don't see you between now and the holidays, have a happy Hanukkah tonight, happy Christmas, right. happy New Year, and we'll see you in the new year on Twit. Take care, everybody. Another Twit Bye-bye. is in the can. Bye-bye. He's, he's amazing. 